On this week's show, the guys talk about the SAG nominations, the Scream revival hits theaters, and we're joined by the filmmakers to discuss. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome to episode number 198 of Real Blend, a podcast that still can't believe Drew Barrymore is the killer in the new Scream. That is a bold <laughs> choice <laughs> to bring her back. I don't know how they did it. It's pretty uh, remarkable. That's one of your better jokes in a while. And she I'm uses uh, Jiffy Pop, the popcorn. <laughs> that, that's her <laughs> killing but the, but the one from Scary Movie when it's like really big. Right. I'm kidding. Obviously, Drew Barrymore is not the killer of the new Scream. Uh, on this week's show, Scream Revival is hitting theaters. Uh, the directors are going to be joining us. The filmmaking team are joining us as our guests. But first, we're going to go over the SAG nominations. Uh, and by me and we, I mean Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hello, Jakey. Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm good. I'm not on a poster for Scream, like some people I know. Nor am I featured in the trailer, like some people it's, I know. It's so interesting, though, because I, I'm assuming they just took something from my tweet. I tweeted very positively about the film. But of all the, all the words, <laughs> 180 characters on Twitter, yeah. they just took the word fresh. That's a little disconcerting. Yeah. Maybe you were just tweeting like, I just subscribed to HelloFresh and I love it. And they were like, hey. Yeah. By, the way, by the way, Scream's coming out. That happened to me. <laughs> That Kevin, didn't you have that one time? I don't want to say I don't want to call out a studio, but didn't you have someone take a word out of context? Yeah, it ended up in the New York Times. It was Twilight, the first Twilight movie. Oh, I think I think my uh, was the word my shiny, <laughs> shiny, um, shiny. Kevin, Kevin that, wrote this will never be one of the best films of the year, and they just took out one of the best films yeah. of the year. Well, kind of. It's kind of what they did. I mean, in my like quote for Rotten Tomatoes, it was like something about like uh, surprisingly, this film was a lot more intense and powerful than I was expecting. Oh, New no. York Times, intense and powerful. Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> and once it's out there, it's out there. You like, you I can know. tell them to stop using it, but like, once it's out there, you can't. I mean, you can't take it back. Yeah, that's fine. I, that's I, they normally send me an email asking me for approval. Same, and and they'll yeah, ask yeah, like so, a, some studios do and some studios don't. Gotcha. Oh. I we all know that I would like to be on the front cover of the uh, I Ran No Way Home DVD. I mean, to be fair, I'm on, like I'm, on, I'm on Dune without my name on it. That's true, and you're on the back of the Snyder Cut. Much to with my, my name on it. 
And with your There's name a lot of other issues with the Dune 4K besides your, uh, the misquoting. Oh, that's a good tease. We're going to get to that oh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hello, welcome to 2022, where podcasts have visual elements. Uh, if you're listening to us on audio, head down, give us a like and a subscribe. Uh, make sure you spread the word about Real Blend. We're trying to grow the show out as much as possible for our audio listeners. If you want to watch us, go to youtube.com backslash Real Blend podcast. Um, guys, have you signed up for the Real Blend Premium episode? There's a, not you guys in, in, in particular, you guys are on the premium episodes. Um, but it's a great way for you to spend uh, an extra an extra day with us. We come out on Mondays with a bonus show. We're going to be doing something really fun this week in particular. So this is a good week to get on board because we're going to be playing something called the 2022 um, movie blockbuster draft thingamabob? Gabe, help Not me Not even here. close. No, uh, so you're <laughs> really selling it. You're re- I love that you're asking for people for their money, but then yeah. like, yeah, we're doing something. Also, I was close. To be Sean fair, introduce me. <laughs> oh, That's shit. hilarious. There's a lot going Ken on Ken McCarthy here. of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Sean. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Episode 198. <laughs> I'll get it will, right soon. Will we get it right by 200? Who knows? No. Tune in to find out. Uh, we're Explain doing a, the draft. We're, we're doing a 2022 fantasy movie draft where you gentlemen will be tasked with drafting a team of uh, film releases that are at, at right now, as of right now, slated for release in 2022. And uh, you'll be getting a score at the end of the year based on their critical rating, um, how well they do with according to critics on Rotten Tomatoes. And then the winner... We'll get to make the other two do something, which is what we always do. So. Does Sonic come out this year? Sonic 2? Sonic 2? Yes, it does. We'll find out. Awesome. That's my pick <laughs> yeah. right there. So, <laughs> so join the, the, join the premium feed, um, check it out, and then play along at home. And by play along, I mean with Kevin McCarthy at <laughs> Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Oh, hi, Cash. Hey, Sean. Hi. How are you, man? Good to see <laughs> good, you, man. Good to see you. Hey, Jay, gonna... Gabe. <laughs> Where have you been, Kevin? Gabriel? I don't know. Jonathan? <laughs> Kevin, just for that reason alone, I'm throwing the weekly poll to you. Where okay. we asked uh, the listeners, which scream has your favorite killer or killers uh, reveal? Because in some of the screams, there are multiple killers. I will and note... We- I know that they're older films, but let's just keep this segment spoiler free for anyone. Correct. Maybe people are catching up last minute because they've, they've heard this new one so good. You never know who's seen what. That's fair. So we'll just keep them to the number of the films. We won't say exactly what they are, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. Again, I'm going to emphasize uh, which Scream has your favorite reveal uh, for Killer or Killers. We gave you Scream 1, 2, 3, and 4. Kev, where do you think the people went? And also, I want to hear Kevin's pick. Mm. Interestingly enough, I mean... I have to say people chose one, but I I wouldn't be surprised if two is on that list because I think two was one of my favorite reveals of the four. Um, But I have to go with one because the one reveal is iconic, again, being vague, because what Scream does brilliantly is they they you know they mislead you. So Mm -hmm. the people that you think are the killer or killers in one they're, they give you so many avenues where they can't possibly be the killer. Mm-hmm. True. But then they and then they find a way to go back and and make you realize that that person was the killer or killers all along. So to me, the ride of one was and, and similar to like what's going on with like the newer ones as well. Like they, they really are meta in that way. So I think one had mm-hmm. to be the one had to be 82 percent of the people Damn. picked the first one. Eighty two percent. That's it, but I assumed it was going to win. I didn't think it was going to win with that much of a majority but it is the it, it, it's so iconic i mean I, we I, without we, i guess we can't spoil it but it is 25 years later but like 
I mean, you that's the movie where one of the killers is killed on camera, at least we think. Mm. Right? And sure. yeah. and then the reveal is so iconic, yeah. psycho level iconic, Anthony mm. Perkins level iconic. Um in a way the, that the, the killer quotes Anthony Perkins. He does. We all go a little mad sometimes, but like, I mean, it, that, that to me was the greatest misleading moment. Like you, cause like the cool thing about the screen movies. And I think you guys would agree is that when you watch them, you in your mind, you're like automatically looking to see who the killer is going to be. Mm-hmm. And they, the movies are always a step ahead of you. They're always oh, yeah. a step ahead. It of you. knows who it you're knows. going to suspect. Right. And, and, and that's kind of what's fun about these movies. I think people are going to be really surprised how they play with that in the, in the newer one as well. Also a little bit low too that it's one of the few franchises where the killer changes each time like it's not jason every time or freddy every time yeah. and a new batch of, yeah. of they, victims. they sum up like Ghostface, but it's only because that's the mask that for sure right. yeah wears. Uh, i'm sorry Gabe, Gabe, what'd you say? there were some comments on the poll you, you wanted to bring up yeah so i wanted to say the scream one took it by a landslide um but second place was scream four and a lot of the comments were people saying that Scream 4 was their other pick. They said they were going with one, but Scream 4 was the other. Oh, I love 4. literally my least favorite Scream. Wait, wait, wait. 4 is... 4 is my least least, favorite. At least admit 4 is better than 3. No. No, by least favorite, I mean I like 3 better. (laughs) That's insane, dude. That's what what that means. Why do you hate on 4 so much? 4 is so great. I hate the plot. I hate the performances. It feels like they tried to, like, usher in technology to be hip, but it wasn't technology that anyone was using. It felt like a bunch of like 16, 70 year old people saying, this is what the kids are doing these days. Um, it just, I, it, I, uh. I even went back and rewatched it to get ready for screen five. I refused to call it scream and couldn't yeah. stand it. Couldn't stand it. I hate, I hate, the killer reveal. I hate the motive. I hate, I hate everything about Scream. Well, I'm so I'm holding on to the idea that that Scream Five should have included five somewhere in it. Like the Wait, S you, of Scream should have been a five. If you Something. refuse to call it Scream Five, what did you call the 2018 Halloween? Halloween. He put a bunch of E's in it. Halloween. <laughs> no, how how did you refer to that though? He called it Halloween. It's but it's not as good. But it's not as good as Scream. Oh, 5. you're asking me the question. Yeah, yeah, I'm yes. asking you. Oh, I don't know. Yes. It feel. It feel okay. But by this point, you have to keep in mind Halloween has already branched off into so many different timelines, and it's been remade, and there have been sequels to the remakes. That at this point, everyone's so lost that it doesn't matter. Scream is still one mm. coherent thread, one timeline. Well, um, in which in which this one. But to is the Halloween still, topic. Isn't it kind of dumb that no one calls that movie Halloween? You have to call it Halloween 2018. That's not the title yeah. of it, but we have to call it that because Halloween is already the most classic. Most people I know call it oh, Halloween, the one that came out a few years ago. Right. So or, that's, how, yeah, that's how most but, people but refer if you're, to it. But as. if you're following the Scream mm-hmm. 5 thing, you would have to technically call that Halloween 2. Well, I just hate any. I hate any title that reuses a, a title that's already in the yeah. franchise. I kind of which, which is a, is a topic that's brought up in the new screen. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Is it really? I forget already. Yeah. yeah the whole well, I'll tell you who can refresh they, our they, Why didn't they just call it Stab 8? Oh, yeah. that's right. They did have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Requel. Don't give God, away I, any... Uh, that's okay. You know, that's a, you're allowed to use that word. You know who did that? Jay and Silent Bob did that first. Thank you very much. It's true. Jay <laughs> and Silent Bob, who are characters in Scream 3. Yes, So Scream are. takes place in the Jay and Silent Bob universe. Yeah. Hey, why do you hate Jay and Silent Bob? Yeah, oh, why do you hate Kevin Kid- Smith? Kidding me? Dude, that moment right before they get to uh, Good Will Hunting 2 hunting season and they rush through the Scream set and uh, was it uh, 
Who is the actress who's playing Sydney in that scene? Um, from that, it was Shannon Doherty. Shannon Doherty. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and then the killer is the, the monkey. The a monkey. Like, Wes, you're not even trying anymore. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Here, here's here's a group of people who can actually break down uh, all the things that we're discussing here right interview. now uh, about so Scream and the rules and the franchise and their love of uh, Wes Craven and, and everything that comes with it. This is uh, Matt and Tyler, who are the co-directors for this, as well as their producing partner, Chad. Um, they go by the collective team name of Radio Silence. They are our guests talking the new Scream on the Real Blend podcast. What an honor. We are the Real Blend Podcast. We are a filmmaker-based podcast, so please feel free to get as nerdy as possible. And all three of us truly love, love, love this movie. And uh, what I always say is that whenever we don't love a movie, we just awkwardly start the interview. So seriously, we do we do truly, we do truly, truly love it. Uh, I, I'm going to kick us off. Um, without getting into spoilers, I want to talk about, as storytellers, um, how important the identity of the killer or killers is and the motive behind it. Whenever you're you're sort of going through the script and you get to that part, if you don't personally like it or agree with it, could you have made this movie? Like how crucial is, is the final act in terms of whether or not you even want to do this movie? I think it's the answer. The answer is no, we couldn't. Like that, yeah. that you know, you have to land the land the plane. And I think when we got to that, part of the script and we read it for the first time February 2020 I think the thing that we were most nervous of is because every page was incredible and we were just loving it and I think we all were getting closer please like we know it's landing. coming please stick the landing please <laughs> yeah. stick the landing we got there like oh shit this is exactly what it should be and I, that that was for us the, the clincher that's what right. we're like yeah oh. and I, I love that you're leading off with this question too because like a lot of the questions we've got is like more in the horror genre and slasher space of it all too but like scream what scream is and its identity is the whodunit element and the mystery mm -hmm. element and trying to solve that and piece it all together so that that's 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 just as important as making sure that the kills are violent and scary and everything else is happening is maintaining that mystery throughout and, and if it's honestly if it's not there on the page it's not going to work it's not going to translate so guy and jamie did such an incredible job with it and they kept us guessing while we were doing our our very first read and and we were able to like lean on that script and, and as we were in production and even through the edit to get the movie to where it is today i think one of the things too that you're that you're asking about that's really essential to a screen movie is how that reveal always recontextualizes the whole movie right mm -hmm. right like suddenly you go wait and it, it wait the whole this the whole time and and it gives you a reason to go back and watch it again in a new in a new way and I think that's um it's something that we certainly love about about the original the original right. four but the challenge is making sure that that works right that you can that if you do the clue math of the movie leading leading up to that reveal that it actually all makes sense there is a real intricate kind of roadmap designed in the blueprint of what these of what these movies are and and again that is just credit to guy and jamie for for knocking that out of the park in this movie all right i'm going to piggyback off of jake's question uh and say that much earlier in the process you have to know that the opening scene of a screen movie works yeah strong and in strong that's what yeah exactly and so again no details because you know we want everybody to enjoy this movie uh the way that it should be but but when you pick up the script and you read that opening scene if it's not a home run what are your concerns how do you address them i mean well, luckily we didn't have that. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> we picked it up and we were like, we got to, you know, page, this is not a spoiler, page 10, 11, 12. And sure. we're like, oh, they did it. Huge, you know, <laughs> took off successfully. 
now it's got to land successfully. And I think, you know, one of the things too, that, that it was wonderful on the page, but then when, when Jenna brought it to life, when we were shooting in, in the edit, she's so good. She's She's incredible, right? Because what you don't get in, in, when you're doing the, the opening of a screen movie, as at least for ours or for all of them, you have to just instantly empathize with that person. You have to feel the vulnerability. You have to care for them without any lead up, without any runtime. Mm-hmm. And so Jenna just, she allows you to just get inside her head instantly. And so you go on that journey of the first, the opening scene with her. And I think that's why it's so successful. And that's why, you know, that's a big part of why the Drew Barrymore one is you're just with her the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, that was something I think, uh, yeah, we love, we love that stuff Guy and Jamie wrote for this opening scene and then to see Jenna bring it to life. Oh. Awesome. It was, it was incredible. It's one of my favorite openings, actually. And I, I'll tell you right now, I still have my original Scream tickets. My, my yeah, first that, is awesome. that is great. What's um, the price never, from there? Just curious. Uh, the curious. first curious. one was $4. Second yeah. one was <laughs> three. I went cheaper on the second one. It was $3. I guess it was a later, because it was the same oh, year. Went? I saw, yeah, I saw both of them in 97, actually. Yeah. You go on a Tuesday? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was a Friday. It was a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, I was 12 when I saw the first Scream and my friend and I went to the theater with 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 his dad and he bought three tickets. We walked in. So the usher knew we were going in with a guardian or a parent and then he rolled out <laughs> and my buddy and I just stayed and we watched the movie. Uh, what was that movie for you guys growing up? A movie you snuck into or, a mo- or did you have elaborate ways you would get into R-rated movies? As, do you guys have that? experience in your in your childhoods mine was always sneaking in you know we buy a ticket for like yeah home alone and then go see terminator or whatever i mean you know it's like that kind of thing but i think and i think the big one for me with going to the theater with my dad was he took me to aliens when i was like eight Ooh. and i remember yeah just being i remember Cameron. so well with him saying like you don't have to tell your mom let's go what about you guys for me it was a little bit different because i you know when i was younger i couldn't sneak into a theater because my hometown didn't even have a movie theater it was like 25 oh. miles away was the closest theater oh wow so, and this is punxatani rural punxatani pennsylvania in like the the mid 80s um so what i relied on mainly was like i had one friend who had three older brothers and sisters and they would actually grab vhs tapes and that was like my introduction to horror because they loved scaring the living shit out of us when we were a kid. Um, so we were terrified the entire night, but like we watched, um, you know, Evil Dead and, and you know, all the George Romero's and, and that was kind of like, oh, we were watching something forbidden and something that is, that, you know, it made us feel cool and adult for a little while. Yeah. So that was, that was a lot of and fun. For you? Yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't much of like a, a sneaker into of theaters. <laughs> I was just it's like, great. You got to try it. Sometime. I was just such a chicken shit as a, as a kid. Like I, my, my fear and fun parts of my brain weren't really connected, but I, I certainly loved watching movies on VHS and many of those movies now, as you sort of think back now that you're, you know, now that we make horror movies, that the, the, some of the most formative things that I watched were like Alien, yeah. Predator, Terminator, Terminator, Terminator Two, yeah. Aliens, RoboCop, like these big movies that were horror movies that are all that were all kind of also sandwiched into another into another genre, and and then of course the, the watching horror movies at, at sleepovers was another huge thing. But yeah. everything was my experience with horror was always around sharing it with a group, which I think is you know I, we can say yeah. is, is the same for all of us, right? That there is a the, uh, uh, something about the experience 
has always been really communal for us. And, oh, yeah. and I think that, um, you know, certainly we, we, that was in our, in our heads and in our hearts when we were making this movie, really wanting to make it to play in a theater <laughs> in front of a large audience. And, and I think that's something we've had so many, so many memories formed in that, in that experience and wanting to create that for others has always been a goal for us. Well, this is the closest I've ever felt to the experience I had seeing the first movie. So I want to say thank you to you guys for this because it was- That's it's, wow. 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 Thank you. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> really. uh, guys, I recently went back and, and rewatched one through four to, uh, to get ready for this film. And it's just a reminder of how many truly iconic individual moments yeah. are throughout those four films. If you guys could have directed any moment from any of Wes's films, what's the moment you'd think you'd have the most fun directing? Scream specifically or Scream specifically? What do you know? What all four screams? All four screams. Wow, that's a great yeah. question. I mean, my initial reaction, much like I think our initial reaction to stepping in to do this one, is no way. Already, <laughs> <laughs> why would I do that? How dare they? <laughs> but you know, I mean, I what sequence or what kill? What's any sequence? I mean, for me, it's always the one, and I know Chad, you say this sometimes too, so we might have to fight over this one, but for me, it's the, uh, the, the first night that Sydney's home alone in the first one, mm. he answers the phone, all the right moves, oh. all that, all the way until Dewey shows up with the thing at the door yeah. and really gets taken away. Ah! That just, that's like all of Scream for me in one That is like a distilled Scream. Yeah. Good. I wouldn't even go back further. Sydney getting home. Then the cut tonight. It's that whole thing. Off the yeah. bus. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, Bye, Sydney. The yeah. mailbox, right after the liver in the mailbox. You got the whole thing. Yeah. Because when, when he brings up her mom, you just feel like a shift where you go like, oh, oh yeah. This feels, yeah. this feels real now. They're not like, something really talking about yeah. 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 What about you guys? Any, any yeah. other sequence beyond that? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's in Scream 2 is the, the sound booth sequence. Yes. Oh. Like, you know, you just see Gail and Dewey, you know, finally getting it getting along and like, you know, almost consummating their relationship and moving everything forward. And then, and then there's just this barrier between them and, and it's, and it's a physical barrier and you can't hear what's on the other side and, or see what's on the other side or warn somebody that you're falling in love with that the killer is behind you. Um, I, I, I just, I love that sequence. Like it's honestly one of my favorite in all four of the movies. And I, I, I just, it, it just definitely left an impression on me um, after watching it. And it's one I often revisit in terms of, dealing dealing with characters and insurmountable odds and and just like different destinies and where and and how tragic that story could possibly be between these two two people who are falling in love and pizza you love pizza on glass pizza oh yeah, and glass. I, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also say really quick about that sequence that has one of my favorite ghost face pop-ups in all of oh, yeah, yeah 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 straight up from behind <laughs> like back in the box yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and for me, I, I love I love that sequence in two when Hallie and and Sid are stuck in the back of the car. That's the best scene. Up and so around good. that yeah. I, that to me is like it's a it's a moment where you the, the movie it's it's all about staying away from this character, right? Getting as far away from the villain as possible, and and then in a like wild scream subversion they're forced to actually climb over, be as intimate as they possibly could be with the killer in order to survive. It is just, it is one of the most, it is, it's one of those moments that you watch and you go, fuck, I wish I made that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can hope oh, that maybe no, have a great, fraction man. of yeah. something that amazing in your, have you, know, you seen in your work? Have right. you seen the outtakes of that with them? Cracking. No, no, no. That's amazing. You know, and, and we by the this is an experience we have on every every one of our sets where when you're making something that you hope is truly terrifying and a really tense moment for the audience, 
it's actually more like shooting a comedy. It's funny. Right? It's always, you're, you're, it's you're always sort of, funny. Yeah, like it's and it's weird that like humor and, and horror sort of exist in the same part of your brain, right? Like creating yeah. a joke and creating a scare are weirdly it's sort of the same equation. So it doesn't surprise me at all that like one of the most hilarious things. And honestly, I think part of what's so fun about these movies is like driving the tension to a level of absurdity that you just can't wait for it to break. Right. And that, that for me is one of those is one, a perfect example of one of those moments. Love it. So during um, screenings, when we're having uh, an interview, we take a ton of notes and I've got a whole book of notes from scream. And the only thing that I starred immediately after the movie was over that I had to ask um, because it's a movie that almost ripped this podcast apart uh, is where you guys fall on the uh, star Wars, the last Jedi debate. Uh, so I need to know your opinion about whether it's it's good or bad. Not waiting in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah. I think the fun thing about just to say it about the last Jedi thing is that that's a great example of like you create something, you know, and then it is no longer yours, and it's up to other people to kind of have their points of view and have their conversations about it, and it's out of your hands once you once you made it and put it into the world it becomes everybody's for a better or worse. So if it sustains conversation, is that a success for you guys? No matter what the conversation is? Absolutely. I think yeah. so. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Unless that conversation is just like fucking hate. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's just a hate fest, then no. No, but we have a debate. Though yes. we, honestly, yeah. we always say like the worst thing is to land in the middle, is to create right. something that people are like, it was okay. We'd rather have people yeah. be like, I loved it, or people be like, I yeah. fucking hate it. And then the idea that those that those two opinions can collide and actually create a conversation, that's that's right. interesting. That's, that's why awesome. some of our stuff people hate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one thing I really love about this film uh, outside, it looked like it was shot on 35. I know you shot digitally, um, but it looked like film. I, I'm assuming you added grain to it. And then obviously with Beltrami's original scores, and then Brian Tyler does a brilliant job with the score here. Um, I always wanted to ask this because I know... Um, I heard a famous story about Wes Craven when he would when he submitted Scream 2 to the MPAA, he would actually add more violence to the cut. Uh, mm -hmm. And that way he could get the version that he wanted to get the R rating. Um, the violence in this film, like I, I, I'm shocked that you were able to get an R rating because it's, it is brutal, like to a point where like, I mean, the stabbings are really intense and very in, insane in, in the best way possible for the best way I love Scream movies. I was wondering if you guys had any issues with the MPA with in terms of like the stabbing shots and the multiple stabbings and did you put a more violent cut to them so you could get the version you wanted not with the mpa which is what it is now right yeah but i but i rebrand you know we did have too yeah right uh they did we did have you know we had a lot of conversations with the studio about is it too violent is it you know not and i mean some of them are here, so I'll whisper. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it all, it all comes out of the wash. But we did, we definitely did in that part of the process. Yeah, let's throw a couple extra stabs in because we know they're going to be asked taking them out. And then we just get back to what we want, you know? And it's like, oh. it was stuff like that. Kind of, you kind of manipulate the system a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think everybody was happy with it. So I think yeah. we and also just knew that we had to push, you have to push the envelope with that stuff. I think. Oh, yeah. It, and you have to convince after, people yeah, that that's what you have that to do. That's right. what you have to do. Because I think after four movies, the idea of what a screen, screen movie is kind of exists separate from the, the specific four movies, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it's like a fun kind of self-reflexive, you know, entertaining slasher. And then you watch them and you go, no, these are like hardcore, brutal, <laughs> hardcore, brutal yeah. horror, horror movies. And, yeah, yeah. and we had to keep reminding people that that's what, that is a key ingredient to the rest of that fun shit working 
there has to be real tension and real stakes at all times. And we we really we really wanted to make sure that Ghostface was terrifying and brutal. I mean, that's that for us is like as as important as anything else. That character doing justice to Ghostface is is was like such a huge responsibility to tackle. Well, mission accomplished. Uh, you guys absolutely yeah, it is it was we love hearing that and and thank you because I think yeah. for us we, we love said, compliments. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean specifically about the violence. I think I think for us we had a fear that like maybe we should have gone harder. No, and I, and yeah. I think but I think no, part of that is yeah, it was perfect. You, what you realize is that in in moments you have to go there in, in one moment and then maybe you don't have to go there every time, right? That you have, to show, the, you have right. to show the audience that the movie can do that thing. And then everyone thinks that it's going to, and whether you do it to a lesser degree or, or a greater degree, it all sort of feels like it's now in that unsafe yeah. territory, which is really, I think, what, just one of the things, the tools that Wes yeah, helped us. There's such an energy to your kills. Like there's such like almost like a, like anger. an anger. Yeah. Like that's oh, what we keep, that, we keep using the word anger. Like, like just so with the stabs on like anything we've seen before. Yeah, there, 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 there are deaths in this movie that are on the Rose McGowan level for me in terms of classic like Woo! scream deaths. Oh, wow. Like that's where we're this, this movie's wow. at for me. Um, I just want to throw in quick. I brought my 13 year old to the press screening um, because he's kind of, he's a little bit new to horror. He's a little new to horror um but he's watched the scream movies and they're one of his favorites and he literally said to me he's like if you can get me out of school to go see scream uh it'll make my year and so i was like all right we got i have to pull that off i only regretted bringing him like twice so that's not too bad <laughs> 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 it's pretty good <laughs> yeah. my, i talk about some of that stuff with you guys uh, aside from from the legacy actors and ghostface and the kills themselves one of the things i most associate with scream is the song red right hand and I know a lot of people now associate that with Peaky Blinders, but when I hear Red Right Hand, to me, that's Scream. Like when Dewey slams the door shut on the beat of the song in, in Scream 1, I always loved that. I always thought that was the coolest oh, yeah, thing as a kid. So I'm sort of curious software. about um, using Red Right Hand in this movie when you know like the right place to do it and just the conversation of doing it in the first place, because I don't think it's used in every single Scream. It's not used in four. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we just confirmed that today. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, two years of our nonstop studying screams, we had forgotten that it wasn't in four. So, so could you talk about using it in this one and, and uh, how you know when the right place to use that song is? You know, we, we, we bounced around a lot on it. We knew we wanted to use it because, like you guys are saying, it's so integral to scream, mm. right? And we knew we wanted to use it, and we couldn't quite find a place that didn't feel... We put it in six places. Yeah, we right? tried so many, and yeah. we, we couldn't find a place that didn't just feel like it was kind of overkill homage -y. You know, we were like, we don't want to just... Because we never wanted to just get mm. stuck in the past and doing things just to show you that we can sure. do what somebody else already did perfectly. What's the point of that? And... So where it does end up in the movie, which is with, awesome, by the way. Thank, yeah. you. thank you. And we're glad you're picking up on that because to us, it was like it's it's a it it makes sense in the story yes. mm -hmm. for why it's there and what yep. it's used for. And so for us, once that really clicked, we were like, oh my god, why did it take us three months to figure this out? This is exactly <laughs> where it belongs. And it you know we didn't touch it after that. Oh, love it, mm. love it. Awesome. Uh, this is not a spoiler, um, but this is a filmmaker's podcast, and I love asking about how certain shots get done. Uh, you guys homage the uh, Hitchcock shower shot. I want to know if you did you mimic his approach to it? Did you solve a different way to figure it out? It's still it's still one of the most breathtaking shots I've ever seen. How did you guys pull it off? That was I mean, that was like uh, the intersection of knowing we wanted that shot and then finding a location that had 
the ability to shoot it. That had a glass, a glass, it was encased in glass, and we there was enough room for us to get the camera low enough to achieve that in a way that didn't, of course, damage, damage the, the camera. The equipment. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was one of those that it, every time every time we went scouting for that location for that bathroom, that was one of the things, and it was one of the things that was just kind of non-negotiable for us, right. honestly, yeah. in our shot list. And our storyboards as we were sort of drawing that on. And that was, a I remember very specifically that day of shooting. It was like, guys, yeah, we were told don't we're do really going to waste time and getting a shot of a, of a shower head when we have this huge thing that we need to be company <laughs> yeah. moving to get done. And we were like, yeah, this is like, we need, th- it. We, we need this. This has to be, this <laughs> is one of those moments where the movie is speaking to the idea of the entire genre. It has to be, it has to be captured. And even just to, since, since we are getting deep movie nerd on this, I mean, for us, it was, you know, you talked, we talked to Kevin Williamson a lot about the movies, and I think this is just public knowledge anyways, but, you know, there is such a lineage from Psycho to to Halloween to Scream. There's Mm -hmm. Loomis in all of them. You know, it's like Halloween was influenced by Psycho. You have Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Leigh. You have, and then Halloween to Scream. Like Kevin said many times that Scream was his kind of love letter to Halloween, mm-hmm. Halloween's a love letter to Psycho. So there's this real lineage that starts with Psycho. And so for us to get that lineage in, in a new way, not just ways that already existed in the previous screens was just really important to us. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I want to geek out with you guys about Roger L. Jackson because obviously the voice <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, is yeah, so please. iconic. Um, and so I, I know I was, I, I was honored to interview Nev Campbell earlier for the first time in my career. And I, I always wanted to know whether or not those calls were happening in real time, like where the actors actually on the phone with Roger doing those moments. And it, it was fascinating to hear kind of the idea of not meeting him and kind of like what that meant. But I wanted to ask your perspective um, as directors and, and filmmakers on this film about working with him. Where does he go during the call scenes? Like, I, mean, I guess maybe, maybe we can do, maybe we can use a scene for an example out of context, but can you talk about how that's done? Is he actually calling into the phone that we're seeing in the movie? And then how is it, like, is it, are you, are you amping it up in post? I'm just curious, like kind of how you, how that plays out. It was a bit of both in that yeah. opening posh, sequence. Posh. Yeah. And, and part of this was just the circumstances of making the movie, you know, we, we had to have a really limited set during the pandemic but yeah and his voice was a little different i thought by the way at times and 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 we had him i mean the amazing thing about about roger is he can calibrate that character in an infinite number of ways we had him like do a younger sounding read we had him do a more gravelly sounding read and and we had and and there and then there's every of course gear in between right and and but for that first sequence in particular he was on his phone he's he's in um in northern california and he was on his phone from his place calling into to our set in Wilmington for, for a good portion of that yeah. was reading along with, with Jenna Ortega on the phone. And then wow. throughout the process was recording stuff to send to us that we could play to characters because we couldn't have him on, on phone the whole time. We wished we wished we could have, but I mean, it's just a sort of a production nightmare, three hours difference, you know, East Coast and West Coast. But he was so game to be involved in every way he could to make sure that the real terror of, of confronting that character was present for, for the actors. Well, and then and he, he's just, I mean, well, I was just going to say that he also, incredible yeah, characterization in that voice. We, he ended up, we did a pass with him at the end of the movie when we were locking sound where he did ADR for a lot of it. And what was so great about that is he'd given us so many options. And so, cause one of the things we love, especially in like the Drew Barrymore scene and a lot of the original is that 
it starts off and he's not even Ghostface yet. And he's just kind of nice and he's toying with his victim a little bit. And then it goes up a gear and it's kind of menacing, but it's not that menacing. And then it goes up to like, I'm going to fucking gut you. Yeah. And you're like, there's like oh, a jump scare shit. in the read, right. in the, the yeah. vocalization. So he yeah. would give us different layers. And then when we were finished with everything and we had the whole movie, we could really dial that in with him and just get it to exactly where we wanted it for the whole movie. So he kind of did another pass on it and we kind of pick and choose. It was, it was a lot of fun. And he is That's just awesome. like a character. Yeah, he is like, a character. It's insane. It's insane. I, and I will say, and being very vague, it's an honor with how you played with that in trailer versus film was so cool. So uh, that was so awesome. I stayed through the credits and uh, was lucky enough to see a very fun special thanks section at the very end. I hope it's okay that I'm, I'm going to reveal what it is. It's it's all the all the actors who have been killed in the history history of the screen franchise and when you see all of their names together it's really a reminder of how many a-list stars have met their demise over these four films i'm sort of curious where the idea for that special thanks section came from and did it have an impact on you when you see henry winkler and drew barrymore when you see you know all of these actors sort of squished together allow us uh to be mildly vague because of spoilers but that list is there is a moment in the movie for people who haven't seen it yet that is very special to us that uh, happens that I don't know how to describe it, but I think if you've seen the movie, you'll know. And we got a lot of people to participate in that. And so vocally, vocally, they all they all provide a vocal cameo. All of the people on that special thing provide vocal cameras. Are, provide wait, vocal what? Cameras. What? Yes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Talk more about it. We're happy to talk right. more. We have we've another been conversation. No spoilers. So let's put yes. a pin in it. But yes, can you, can you tell us off the record what it is? I love that. That's amazing. Uh, I think we have time for about two more. I'm going to fit this one in. Um, back on the record. Back on the record. Back, back, back <laughs> on the record. Yes. Uh, if you guys could talk about modernizing, there are staples of the of the scream genre, and one of them is a landline. Uh, when you have to approach modernizing a landline, uh, how do you, how do you go about doing that? Are you concerned at all that like, you know, it, it's kind of a relic? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is a relic. You make and, a joke about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, first thing I mean, honestly, I didn't even know about. what one looked like. So, like, <laughs> when they brought it in, I'm like, is that new? Is that old? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> My parents just got rid of their landline yeah. last year, and I was like heartbroken, even though I haven't called it here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but you know, I think it is. It's it's addressing it within the movie and having the characters have exactly the reaction that we have, which is. I think the fun thing about Ghostface is, is as a killer is that they've always used all of the ingredients in the world of the movie to to cause mayhem, right? Like all of those things, all of the technology, whether it's in 96 or in 2021, all of the things that at our disposal is something that's at the killer's disposal. And they're all they all provide a new opportunity to create to create terror and to, to play the game, right? And and that for us was on like on the page since day one guy and jamie really understood that for this movie to work it had to feel like it was modernized in the way that all of us all of us understand our lives now and um and we think it handled all that really well we also just love that anytime technology exists in these movies it's it's always an obstacle right the thing that's supposed to keep you safe is always the thing that ends up kind of being your undoing at the end and and uh and we thought they handled that really really beautifully in the script 
definitely. I'll end on this. One of my favorite scenes is early on in the film. Uh, Melissa and Jack are driving in the car, and he's basically saying he, uh, he's never seen Stab, and then he goes, wait, you've never seen that? And he's like, I've never seen Gone with the Wind. Um, what is, for each of you, what is the one classic movie that each of you have never seen that you'd be embarrassed to, like, say? Like, people would go, oh, my God, how have you not seen that? Yeah. A really good question. I mean, mine is Gone with the Wind, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm, mine's Casablanca. Oh, oh man! Oh, like, what? We're in a safe space here. It is. Yes. It is. I have seen the majority. I've never seen it all. Three. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. <laughs> I'm, I'm overwhelmed with disappointment for my colleague. <laughs> <laughs> well, not you so much. Scott went away, whatever. One, but, there was one recently. Yeah, I feel like we just had this conversation. And you were like, I haven't seen it. Yeah, what the fuck was it, though? He's like, weirdly enough, it's a great. lot of movies. Yeah. He's, never, he's never seen Ready or Not, weirdly enough. He just <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen No Way Home yet. Yeah. Oh, oh what? Yeah. Now we're gonna All judge right. you. Yeah. Now I a chance. I yeah, have a kid. It's really hard to get out to the movie. I mean, you're, so you're also releasing a big movie. I mean, it's oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have well, notes. So. I really, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll email you guys when I think of something. Don't buy a ticket to it next week <laughs> because you don't want to help. Yeah, it. You don't want to help it at all. All right, well, yeah. this is been an absolute... I'll buy a ticket. No. But yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll buy a ticket this screen and go stick into that. <laughs> That's a good idea. I, I might do that. Well, we don't want to take up uh, more of you guys' time. We know that you guys have been talking to everybody today, and we really, really appreciate you coming on the Roblox podcast. And uh, we can't wait for everybody to go check this movie out and uh, and then come back and, and dissect all the spoilers. So we really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, honestly, it means, like, this was like, super so fun. And you know, if you ever want us again, let us know. This Absolutely. is like a great conversation. Thank you so we'll much. We'll call you guys tomorrow. We Of the of the four of us, who would die first? It would be me, wouldn't it? Yeah, totally. As soon as if I said I had anything I was like, oh, to say yeah. about it. <laughs> okay, so Gabe's a killer, and I would die first. Yeah. Okay, so uh, between I, Kevin, so between Kevin and Sean, I think Kevin's the final girl. No, I, 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 I want so the uh, I want the garage death. Well, someone has to live. I feel like I would live. Why? Yeah. I'm I'm a seasoned veteran of yeah. the uh See, yeah. so you're the person that we think is going to be safe and then you die and then Kevin Kevin's like the right. Ripley. He's he, like he ends up Correct. I'm like the Loomis. You know, you guys are forgetting that we're all Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> we're all just Jamie true. Kennedy. It's a podcast yeah, full of Randy. We'll die in yeah. two. Off camera. Off camera. <laughs> Off yes, camera. exactly. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, all right. On the day that we are recording today's show, uh, the SAG Awards were announced. They are, um, you know, in the wake of the Golden Globe sort of disappearing. Uh, they're the next sort of important bellwether to announce their nominations uh, behind a Critics' Choice, of which, full disclosure, we are all uh, members, but we put our nominations out already. And uh, and so I want to go over some of the nominations for SAG. So let's go right to the top of the chain and get into what amounts to their Best Picture nomination, which is the outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. And there are five, so... Theoretically, all five of these could show up in the Oscars in addition to because we know for a fact we know for a, t- for a fact the Academy is doing 10. They're going to do 10. I, I think they did say they're straight up doing not like somewhere between five to 10. I think they, I heard them say that they are straight up doing 10. OK, so uh, SAG went with Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, House of Gucci and shouldn't there be a fifth one? King there? Richard. Oh, King Richard. Oh, it's underneath I have, an ad. I'm I have sorry. some words about that. Well, why don't you hit us up with those words, Kev? Uh, well, three things. One, don't look up. Needs to get off this list immediately. It's just because uh, of who makes up the ensemble. That's it's the, a big that's cast, the and and every member of the cast is an A-list star. Sure, but so okay. The, so weirdly, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying. And keep the in golden... mind, we're not talking about quality of film. They're talking ensemble. Like right. uh, so, it's it's not but, best picture. But, but I'm but, not saying the best go- ensemble. Right. Sure. But I'm not saying the Golden Globes hold any weight. But I find it interesting that the Golden Globes. Drama pick was Power of the Dog, and their musical comedy pick was West Side Story. Neither ended up on the five SAG ensemble list. Um, I would argue West Side Story is a much better ensemble than Don't Look Up, just because Don't Look Up has bigger stars and it's more famous. Like, the fact that, like, Mike faced and, like, everybody who's in West Side Story, that's an ensemble piece through Mm. and through, no question. I mean, I don't even think of King Richard, and I love King Richard. It's not an ensemble piece. I don't think of King Richard as an ensemble piece. They're they're a collection of really great performances. Well, I don't really think of it as, as... not in, guess, not in the way the West Side Story is. I no. guess if you get to four main performances, and, and what I think you're saying is Will Smith, um, the woman who plays his wife. Anjanue Ellis, Ellis, who, Ellis, who didn't get nominated the Oscar. The girl who plays Venus, whose name I'm blanking on as well, too. And then I'd even throw John Bernthal in there. Um, you know, are you at an ensemble? I mean, I guess, say? I guess, I, I mean, it's no different than Coda. Coda is, is mainly the four members of the family plus the teacher. Sure. Yeah, but Coda, yeah. I would argue, is still ensemble heavy because a lot of the best scenes are the family sequences. Um, I, mean, I guess the, then I, I guess King Richard, King Richard too. Yeah, I guess you would have to go that route. I mean, I, I, are you guys surprised that House of Gucci got in? No, because I'm saying I when I came out of that theater, I texted you guys this today. When I came out of sure. the theater, I said that's going to win SAG. Yes, but I feel like um, the 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 buzz behind that, the awards buzz, has died down considerably. I'm not talking no. about whether or not it deserved to get in. I feel like it's really it hasn't been picking up any. I mean, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture at the Globes. It hasn't really been picking up a lot of Best Picture nominations. Um, I feel like people sort of the tide is turning against Jared Leto, where people are arguing whether or not Jared Leto was great or horrible. Um, I, I I honestly. The one that surprised me the most of all of... I mean, because Don't Look Up doesn't surprise me because of who makes up the ensemble. It's A-lister after A-lister after A-lister. House of Gucci surprised me in particular because it wasn't 
Power of the Dog or West Side Story. Say what you want to about Power of the Dog. Like, it's a Best Picture frontrunner, and just about every person in that cast is probably going to be nominated for an Oscar. So how do you not consider that for Best Ensemble? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless of your, your opinion of the film. I, just, I know the three of us don't particularly love that film. Sure. Yeah. But, but uh, it just, is it just that they cut their cut off their nose despite their face with just five know, nominations? I, I mean, great. I love I love how crazy this awards season feels right now. I think yes. it's fantastic. I love I love that we're up in the air. And, I mean, no pun intended. That, that, that we don't know what's going to happen. Um, They're literally missing the best ensemble film of the year. Dune. Dune. Barb and Star. Well, oh, Barb Dune. and Star for sure. But Dune <laughs> is Dune is literally an ensemble piece. The poster Dune is. Nowhere it's, to be found. I know. Yeah, it, I know. As I'm saying, this list is ridiculous. Um, at the end of the day, again, we're not arguing quality here, but I mean, I know Don't Look Up. We don't love Don't Look Up. We didn't. We liked King Richard. We don't love King Richard. Um, mm. I love Coda. I mean, I'm Belfast. I'm happy with. But West Side Story and Dune and uh, should be on this list. And Power of the Dog not being on here is shocking to me. Um, but I mean, then again, like Power of the That's Dog. That's the biggest it, surprise. The Power of the Dog, I guess what, we have to think about what the word ensemble really means right. here because Power of the Dog, for the most part, are these individualized sequences, right? That are Benedict's like... Benedict's movie. It's more, yeah, but it's a, but that's my, that's my West Side story. Though, like Cumberbatch is great. Oh, don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Dust is great. Cody Smith McPhee is great. But how is mm-hmm. Dune not on this list? I don't know. That's a little bit crazy. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, let's go to, let's get to uh, outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. These are theoretically your contenders for the best actor Oscar. Javier? Javier? Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Benedict Cumberbatch. But the, but the same always dog. throw out. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom. Will Smith, King Richard. And Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. I mean, to me, it seems like Cumberbatch is still the front runner. Jake, you seem to think it's... It's Will I still Smith. think it's Will Smith. I think Will Smith's the front runner. Uh, I think that there's. I think we have to remember there's always a big difference between the critics' awards and the award shows. And okay. I think we've been hearing Cumberbatch a lot because of this critics' organization and this critics' organization. I think um, we're going to start to see the the rise of Will Smith in the ranks. I think it's a situation where people want Will Smith to win an Oscar. They want to live in a world where Will Smith has has an Oscar. Hmm. Um, I don't think Bardem gets in at the Oscars. Sags always Sag always throws out one or two where you just go where the hell did that come from? Uh, and I you think know who this year, replace him? I'd say either Dinklage or Nicolas Cage. Oh, interesting, Cage. I'm a little surprised Cage didn't make it into here. Yeah, I kind of thought I his other why. actors would would recognize what he would, did. Yeah, pick. exactly. Which is why also, which makes me think that Dinklage will get that fifth slot. But we all agree that Will Smith's win would be a career win. I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, like, I I mean, I think his performance in King Richard's great. But, I mean, we have saw this happen with, with Denzel for leading. I mean, I, I love him in Train Day, but he probably should have won for Malcolm X. Uh, DiCaprio won for Revenant. He probably should have won for Wolf of Wall Street. Now, Denzel did win supporting for Glory years ago. But we have seen a pattern over the years that a lot of actors end up winning. Even Scorsese didn't win his award till the departed. It's all career oriented. I'll say this. I do. I agree with you that I think Will Smith's is, is a little bit more a career win than the performance, but I don't hate, I don't hate that he wins for this performance. Like I'm not going to look back a couple years later and say like, Oh, he won for King Richard. Yeah. He was really good in that. I mean, it, he was it, very good in it, but it's not it's not a best. I mean, keep in mind, Pacino won for Scent of a Woman. Yeah, right. Garf, yeah. Gar, yeah. Andrew Garfield is so far beyond Will Smith's performance in, in See, out of the, out I of this list. Will Smith. 
Oh, it's not even close. I know, I know, I know you guys. I know you guys are all over Garfield's performance, and I, I liked his performance quite a bit in Tick, Tick, Boom. I really did. But I would choose Benedict over Garfield. No. What? Yeah. I Dude. understand what he's doing in that movie, but part of the like it's a visual medium meant to entertain. <laughs> I think. Um, well, no, I guess that's not fair. I guess that's not fair. You can still make a probing drama. Um, I just I can't I can't ever watch that performance again because it's like. It's like watching paint dry. It's a great performance. But Garfield is Garfield. To me, looking at this list, Garfield is so far beyond anyone on this list in terms of performance. It just it it, it, to me, it's not even it's not even a question. I know he's probably not going to win because as like Jake was saying, like it's the Oscars. It's all about like the career and the campaigning and 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 it's just never. Also, Will Smith hasn't been campaigning. He hasn't been out there shaking hands. He's starting to. He's starting he? to. Yeah. Did Frances McDormand just... campaign for her stuff? She always wins. No, she, she famously does not care. Right. Well, that's right. That's how good. That's how good she was in yeah. Nomadland. Yeah. They couldn't. They Sean, couldn't have you ever interviewed? It. I've never interviewed her. I don't know. I don't think I know if I, that Frances many people McDormand. Have no. I've never gotten her. I don't think she does TV really. No, I can't recall ever getting her. Although what was really weird the other day, I remembered an interview that I did. I can't even think of what it is now. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I spoke to that person. Like all of a sudden it just flashed back. Yeah. I remembered a movie and I remember doing the junket for it. And I was like, oh my God, I yeah. talked to, th- oh, I forgot. Totally yeah. forgot. So, uh, let's get a outstanding performance by a female actor in oh. a leading role. Oh, these have some surprises. Oh, uh, Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain gets in for the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in for the last, uh, the lost daughter. Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. Jennifer Hudson gets in for Respect. And Nicole Kidman in for playing Lucille Ball in Being the Ricardos. Now, everyone's talking about uh, Kristen Stewart getting snubbed, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, I tweeted something. I saw. Which seemed and to be borderline on your soul. Impopula- unpopular. Um, but I do think her coming out and saying she doesn't give a shit about awards might have led some people who could have been split, you know, to say, well, if she doesn't give a shit, then I'm going to give it to Jennifer Hudson or Olivia Coleman or someone like that. So I don't know if that's the reason she got left off. I think that she belongs on the list. I think she was terrific in Spencer. Um, but I'm not going to discount the fact that, you know, apathy in these interviews, there is a, without question, there's a certain quotient of how bad do you want this kind of thing. And, you know, Kristen Stewart in Spencer is not Frances McDormand in Nomadland. She's just not. And so I think Frances can go around and and, say, and also because of the things that Frances has accomplished over the years, can go around and say, no, I'm not campaigning. But I think for any actor uh, to come out in, a, in an interview supporting the movie that you're that you're talking about and you get a softball question of how do you feel about the awards buzz and you turn around and you say, I don't really give a shit. You know, and, and, you know, people coming around saying, oh, she was joking. Doesn't matter. You know, doesn't matter if you were joking or not. It's in print. It's there now. And so I, I, you know, I'm not surprised to see her left off the list. I do. You do you think at all that there is ever this situation where enough people assume she's going to be nominated Mm. and therefore use their vote for someone else? And if enough people do that, then all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it? That person doesn't get nominated. One hundred percent. Yeah, that happens a lot, I'm sure. Um, are there any other snubs in this category that I'm not thinking of? Was I, she the I, main I, one? 
I mean, yeah. I mean, I, other other than that, I feel like it's going to be those. I still don't Kirsten think Jennifer Dunst? Hudson gets. No, she'll be supporting. Oh, supporting. Okay. I, I was very happy that Hudson got in. Like mm-hmm. that was that would made me happy because I know. Like I, I actually could not believe that that performance hasn't been talked about uh, in a continuing fashion over the past months. I mean, that performance really is great? outstanding. Like, mm-hmm. like when I got out of that movie, I was like, she's gonna win. And right now, it's not I, a good I, movie though. Yeah, but she's phenomenal. I mean, there's plenty of actors that have won Academy Awards for movies that weren't great, but their performances were. It's great. not a bad movie. It's fine. I, th- I actually like Respect a lot. And well, um, I think the fact that it wasn't great and it came out in August doesn't help. That hurts. Generally, your release date hurts. Unless you get a home video release, you know, that sort of lands right at the exact yeah. perfect time. But I'm with Kevin. Guys, I'm glad that she got recognized. Okay, do you guys think that she gets in? And if so, at the yes. cost of who? Okay, so then, I mean, Kristen Stewart's going to be nominated for the Oscar. So then who doesn't get the Oscar nomination? Yeah, Stewart will get nominated because of the snub, basically. It could, it could definitely, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, because, then, okay, then who gets knocked out? This, like the like, it, we all know this that snubs end up actually helping you in the end. I mean, it's the whole reason. If it's Argo, the right snub, as long as it's I mean, not the Oscar snub. Argo won Best Picture because of a snub. Chastain could get knocked out. You think so? Yes. The Academy, the Academy loves Olivia Coleman. They love yes. her. No matter what she does, she. I think Gaga's in, and I think Kidman's in. So if Jennifer Hudson gets the other one, then Chastain's oh, out. No, I. I just congratulated her on an early Oscar nom and she said, what if you jinxed it? <laughs> Kiss and of I death. Said, I didn't jinx it. Oh, shit. Kiss of death. Nice job, Jake. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Now, I mean, I could be wrong. She very well could win. I don't, th- I don't think Hudson gets in for the Oscars. I don't know. I, you know, I've heard that her team is, is campaigning hard. They really would like to see her get. She uh, deserves a nomination. a nomination. I'm sorry, Jennifer Hudson's performance is outstanding. I don't disagree. Like, it, it, I can't believe this is even a conversation that we don't know whether or not she's going to get gonna in. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think she's deserving of a nomination. Ooh. I think I think it's all inspiring that anyone has the pipes to match Aretha that that Jennifer Hudson has, and I think the the musical moments in the film were phenomenal and and absolutely worthy of recognition i feel like the acting moments in between those musical performances in my opinion were not that great and not worthy of an oscar nomination let's get to uh outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role Otis smith mcphee except expected jared leto house of gucci uh, troy kotzer for coda that's very yes. i'm very happy to see yes. coda get some uh kotzer or kotzer kotzer, kotzer. i'm kotzer. not quite sure uh, Bradley Cooper, Licorice Pizza. Yes. Kind of surprising for his six minutes of screen time. Awesome. And, uh, and Ben Affleck for The Tender Bar. Affleck. Is yeah. Affleck in? I, okay, I, Kevin, I agree with you so much. I think he's worthy of an Oscar nomination. I think oh. he's phenomenal on Tender Bar. Affleck's performance in Tender Bar is one, one of my favorite performances of 2021. 100%. It's, it's Could like, not agree with you more. It, 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 there's some, I would love to hang out with Uncle Charlie. Like yes. That character was awesome, um, and I I thought the movie was fine, but he was I outstanding. I mean, I liked yeah, I, I actually like Tender Bar yeah. more than most yeah. critics did. But I, I, I would so would you say one of the best performances of his career? Oh, I told him that. I think yeah. this is yeah. one of the best performances of your career, no question. Yeah. And it's it's so I'm actually it's actually a surprise that he's getting yeah. this this type of buzz, and yeah. I think that he's and definitely don't forget, in for he got the Oscar. Too. Yeah, he'll get in for the Oscar. That makes me because he's never gotten an acting nomination before. I don't and, think but, Globes matter. They don't matter. But 
But back to Cooper, though, I was happy about the Cooper nomination because okay. he's so great in Licorice Pizza. And I know it's a small role, and we've seen ask- actors... Dude, Hopkins won Best Actor for Silence of the Lambs for 16 minutes of screen time. So it's like, you know, you have to... You, you can't discount. Uh, he got supporting for what? Less than 10 minutes for, for, sure, for but Cooper. This isn't, this isn't Hannibal Lecter. This I'm not character. saying, I'm not saying, but screen time doesn't matter. For sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you, it, it, if you have that much of an impact, you can overlook minimal dude, screen. I wish he was getting it for Nightmare Alley, to be honest with you. That's he's he great in Nightmare Alley, but he's lead and he's, and, and the leading actors too much, but like licorice pizza, dude, you can't tell me you don't walk away from that movie and not remember that performance. It's, it's yeah, outstanding. No, no, no. It's for sure. so great. And let's wrap up real fast with an outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role. Uh, Ruth Nega is getting in for passing. Uh, Kirsten Dunst gets in for power of the dog. Ariana DeBose gets in for West side story. The only West side story recognition that's it, it could be potentially i forget uh kate blanchett is in for nightmare alley and uh, katrina katrina balf is in for belfast does um, it surprise you guys that mass has gotten nothing like, i i really thought mass might have a showing at sag because that's such a sag saggy type of film it is and definitely I loved, like i at least saw and dowd so what happened do you think not enough people saw it they yeah, didn't get it into yeah, into the hands of enough people it. i remember this is really weird to to do it this way but that was one that was the first screener or one first of the screener. first screeners that we got yeah does it hurt to be early <laughs> you know do Maybe people so. forget you yeah. people what's, forget you what's funny is isn't mass the definition of an ensemble yeah absolutely like yes. that movie is literally yeah. an ensemble piece and everyone in it is at the top of their game. Yeah. yeah top of their game but I mean, as we all know, a movie doesn't need to be popular or have box office success to be an awards player. I mean, like films like The Hurt Locker and The Artist, films that end up winning Best Picture, didn't make a ton of money at the box office considering like the massive blockbuster. So while Mass, yeah, it, like we, we could argue sometimes like does King Richard have the momentum to go into award season if no one saw it? Um, I mean, people saw it, but it wasn't like a massive box office or sure. a huge success. But it, it really comes down to and, and, and it, it actually saddens me as I get older and we work in this business more to learn about how much of it is truly business and I how mean, much a, of they, it is. There's a reason they call it campaign. It's truly campaign. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's no real difference than politics. I mean, in terms of like when you go off on a campaign for an election, um, it, it, it's kind of weird. Like you, you I, I was it's almost like you hope that they'll get it right. Um, but it really comes down to campaigning, how strong the studio is. I mean, one of the greatest things that we ever saw in terms of a campaign, you'd have to argue, would be Shakespeare in Love, beating Saving Private Ryan. I mean, that campaign was insane. And like the idea of that movie winning is purely based on campaigning, I would argue. Um, and I'm not even going to say the gentleman's name who was behind that campaign because that name doesn't need to be mentioned, but uh, it is, um, that was a great campaign, at least. Well, we can all say that. And it's yeah. still very much, it's also um, what's hitting like right now, you know? It's yeah. not necessarily what was the best movie. It's what yeah. is capturing the momentum at the moment kind yeah. of thing, which also is. is stupid. Like it's a like wave. a horse race. Yeah, it's like a horse race. Well, La La Land lost steam because it was too much. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, oh, it's winning yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. Don't they, forget, I mean, don't, the Oscars yeah. at the end of March. So we've got yeah. a ways to go. So those are the SAG nominees that dropped this week. Uh, like We're going to move on to another segment now where we're looking ahead to the year of 2022. Uh, this is our most anticipated movies of the year. We each picked our five 
We're going to go around the horn, each of us, five, four, three, two, one, and we will get to, uh, Gabe is going to reveal the Real Blend Collective pick for number one oh, um, cool. at the end of the list. Why, we all have the same number one? No. No, same as uh, same as our, our best of. Oh, you waited them. Yes. You did wait. Yeah, yeah, Damn it, Sean. Sorry. Jake, what's your number five? Uh, my number five is The Fablemans, which oh, is basically, is. Uh, it's Steven Spielberg's Belfast. It's the movie of him, like, crafting the story of his childhood and sort of what crafted him into the young boy and the lover of film and the storyteller that he is today. Um, I, I'm fascinated with the casting and I am sure it's going to be full of like little Spielberg Easter eggs. Like he's my favorite director. So him sort of telling in an autobiographical way uh, the the story of, of what made him the best director of all time. I, I, I can't not put it on my top five. Who is uh, Mark Rylance playing in that? Cause I'm assuming that he's in it somehow. Some way, shape, or form. You know what? And if he is, we're all the better for He's it. He's playing himself when Spielberg meets Mark Rylance and falls in I'm love with him as an dude, actor. I love Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies. I do. He was great in Bridge of Spies, but yeah. I still think Stallone should have won the Oscar. That's fair. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Kev, what is your but, number five? Yeah. My number five is Mission Impossible 7. Yes! Um, it's my number I four. have it on my list as five. Uh, here's the thing. Weirdly enough, I, I, did, I, did, I liked fallout i didn't love Fallout. i know you guys liked fallout more than i did um to me the brad bird's uh ghost protocol is still my favorite of the franchise but rogue nation was amazing the fifth one um macquarie is just someone i don't i don't ever uh question i think the guy is just an outstanding action director but also a great storyteller um and at the end of the day i guess when if you're comparing it to something like what we look forward to in a movie like for scream for example you look forward to finding out who the killer is going to be for Mission Impossible, I look forward to finding out what crazy stunts, uh, uh, you know, Cruise is going to do. So, like, how crazy will this get? I'm actually way more excited about this than Top Gun. Um, so, for me, this is my number five. You put Macquarie and Cruise together, another Mission Impossible film. I'm all in. Just take my money. Done. My number, my number five is uh, borderline controversial. I can't wait to see how you guys react to this. Uh, it's Avatar 2. Oh, um, see, all right, see, yeah, th- that 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 doesn't belong on real blend. Come on, come I'll on. tell you why. No, no, no. I have a legitimate reason for picking Avatar two. <sighs> it's new Cameron, and I I I can't bet against Cameron for Dude, this reason. You can't not remember the disappointment of the first Avatar. But his but his sequels sure. are always. But his I best also work. think I think he doesn't remember. I think True. he does not forget the disappointment. For the first oh, oh you think avatar. he's gonna be like oh i'm oh you know what you guys thought avatar one was bad yeah wait till you see this no one. no no yeah. no no, 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 no. in a good way in a good, way. In a good yeah, way yes in a good way he's not gonna be yeah. like i'm doubling down on the bad no no baby. i think he's gonna go good on purpose to to prove us all wrong i i i think i like to believe that that's what he's doing i think that he's probably tapped into something that he truly believes in and look i'm willing to give that franchise one more film and if it's not good, uh, then we're in trouble for three, four, and five. Your, if your right. attitude is, I'm willing to give that franchise one more film after sure. just one film. Yeah. That's that's a that's a bad time. That's very early to be saying that already about a franchise. Man, I, I want to. I've gone back to try to watch that that Avatar one. Oh, I can't just... do it. I tried to, yeah, I tried to watch it about a year ago. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I'll clarify one thing. You have to understand, like emotionally, for me. Like Terminator 2 changed my life. Okay. So like Aliens, True Lies, Titanic. Dude was on fire in terms of like hit after hit after incredible film. Couldn't be stopped. 
And then I sit down for a trailer for Avatar from the director of Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Titanic. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be insane. He spent 15 years building the technology for this, com- these cameras to get the 3D and then to watch it and get Fern Gully and Pocahontas in 3D. And then like, I, I, I can't tell you how disappointing that might've been the most disappointed I've ever been in a movie. And it's not that Avatar is the worst movie ever made, but pure emotional disappointment. Sure. I, sure. I haven't gotten over that. So yeah. that's why I have zero, zero. Are you, uh, are you betting against him? I'm I'm not betting against Cameron because I I think what you're saying is correct. Watch it come out and be a masterpiece. And sure. I have no doubt he he will deliver, but I'm still hurt. Okay. I'm still hurt. Gabe, here before we move off Avatar 2 cuz spoilers, it doesn't come up again on this list. Um <laughs> I will say my one like uh, you know, off the wall theory about how this might work. The first one, he spent 10, 15 years building the technology to tell the story. He didn't spend and 10... three weeks on the script. Hang on, hang on. Okay, <laughs> let me finish. Exactly. He did not spend 10, 15 years building the story. The technology is built, and it's not that he hasn't continued to innovate on that, but the world is built, and the technology is built, and that's what the first one had to establish. And the story clearly took a backseat. He's had 10 years to build a story in the world that he's already mm-hmm. established. So I'm not rooting against it. I think it, I think it could... Could be exciting. Listen, the curiosity factor alone puts it at number five on my list. Yeah, but Sean. As we get closer to that, I want to know what it is. They're trying to find an object called unobtainium. That's the first movie. I know. I know. Please, please. I know. know. Unobtainium. The ride in Disney's Animal Kingdom is better than the first movie. (laughs) I completely agree with you. It's actually awesome. That ride's amazing. It's terrific. Unobtainium. Number four. Never forget. Uh, My number four is Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, a Scorsese movie with um, DiCaprio and Robert De Niro and Jesse Plemons and it's a phenomenal story if you're unfamiliar with the story um, it, it's an incredible book I, I mean I, how can you bet against that cast and that is uh, that that director is that getting a, a theatrical release or is it streaming it's I know it's Apple right but I'm sure yeah. though I mean it has to be at least some sort of theatrical release to, okay. uh, to get Oscars because okay. probably not, what they did with a, like Macbeth, Macbeth where it went to like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, a couple of theaters. Yep. Okay. Uh, Kev, where you at? And I Number think Macbeth, Macbeth might have been a hybrid because I think A24 did the theatrical run for that. Mm, and then that's I think, right. And then I think, so I'm, I, that's what I'm hoping we'll see more of is like that 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 hybrid release a couple weeks in theaters first. Um, my number four is Doctor Strange uh, into the was it Ooh. into the <laughs> I'm like in, wait in the multiverse in, of madness in, in the multiverse of madness. Um, that's a really hard title to say. I know. Um, I well, first of all, a lot of reasons why this is number four on my list. Uh, one, uh, I, I am a little upset about the Derrickson thing. I, I I think Scott Derrickson did such a brilliant job with the first one. So there's a curiosity here that I have with what Raimi will do. But after rewatching Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, uh, especially one and two, um, I couldn't be more excited to see what he does now with modern day effects. I just hope that he still stays as practical as you can, because even with the new Spider-Man, they 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 digitally did Doc Ock's tentacles, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. Um, uh, and so the, but they look so much better, I think, in the original uh, practical effects from the first movie, a uh, second movie. So um, 
Raimi being on board is what makes this interesting to me. I mean, I think it would have been higher up had it been Derrickson. Um, and you're talking to somebody who, you know, I adore Sam Raimi, man. Evil Dead 1, 2, Army of Darkness, Dark Man. Uh, I, I love him. So I, it's all, it's four on my list because I'm excited about it. I love the first one. I still think that the first one has some of the best visual effects in the MCU. Uh, I wish Derrickson was on board. But I think Raimi's going to play with it in a way that hopefully there's horror elements to it. I really hope that there's a because Derrickson's a horror filmmaker, too. And that movie that's was what he pre- wanted to do. He wanted his, to make this a horror movie. Apparently. But, like, dude, if you watch Strange's Crash in the first mm. movie, it's brutal, like mm. brutal. Um, so I just hope that Raimi kind of plays with that horror quality as well. So that's my number four. Cool. Uh, my four is Mission 7 as well. Um Listen, I'll be there for that franchise on day one until it stopped delivering. Yeah. So, uh, and also we, we watched at, at CinemaCon the making of the, the, the jump off the cliff into a paraglide. <laughs> Forget it. It looks insane. So I can't wait for that. Uh, Jake, number three. Uh, my number three is the flash. If oh. only just because we're getting Michael Keaton back as Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's something I never thought would ever happen. And, uh, I, Cannot wait to see him on the big screen suited up as Batman again. Snyder bots call it uh, the flush. They can't wait for it to to die. <laughs> They're pretty creative, aren't they? Uh, Kev, where are you with four? Uh, three, three, three. My number three is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh, I almost picked um, that. I, first of all, 90s Nick Cage. I'm not, I know this won't be all 90s Nick Cage, but 90s Nick this Cage. Is no way home. Is, this is my no way home. It, no, it really is. I mean, if I if there's a, a point in this movie where he becomes Castro Troy and Stanley yeah. Goodspeed from The Rock, I'm done. Oh, he's I mean, definitely <laughs> becoming Castro Troy. Oh, yeah, 100%. Definitely. Because yeah. he walks in the house and there's that Castro Troy... Uh, mannequin? Life-size mannequin. Yeah. And he goes, I'll, get, what, I'll give you 20000 for it or something like that. And, <laughs> yes. Well, first he says, like, it's horrifying. Dude, I'll give you $20, if for there's it. a point in this movie where he pulls out his golden guns from Face oh, Off, um, or there's a good speed reference where he's doing the flare guns with the green flare smoke. Oh, they smoke. have to do the rock thing. They have to like, do the thing for the rock. There's so many 90s caged... I mean, if they do Raising Arizona, I'm going to freak out. If they do... Yeah. I mean, there's so much. Um, it's literally the perfect idea. I can't think of a better idea for a movie than for that hiring actor. Nick Cage for a birthday party to play all of his <laughs> other roles again. I mean, it's so great. Yeah. yeah. I'm in. Uh, my number three is Nope by Jordan Peele. Just because yeah, it's Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, I honestly have no clue what it's about. Uh, that's the best way to go into one of his movies. <laughs> Uh, similar to the mission movies, I can't. You know, I'll be there until he stops delivering, and and even he'll he'll get a pass of a of a couple of films for me before I think that he's truly whiffed. Uh, you tell me that he's got a film coming out and that it's called no, Nope. <laughs> I'm in hundred percent. That's my number three. So it's gonna be awful for uh, Google searches, by the way, though. Yes, yes. I, his movies so far have been us. <laughs> get out! Get out! Like, they're terrible for for Google searches. Great titles. Yeah. Nope. All right. Nope. That's my three. Jakey, you're uh, at two. My number two is Mission Impossible 7. Um, I think Ooh. it is, uh, honestly, I think it is the most reliable franchise in Hollywood right now. Um, I think it is a, a series that is, it, whether or not you disagree about five was better than four, was better than six, you can at least, it's doing this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's moving 
and, and and how many series can say that by their sixth going on seventh installment? Sure. Um, I everything you guys said, I echo. I just absolutely cannot wait to experience it on the biggest screen possible. In a perfect world, those two guys are making that many Jack Reacher movies, though. The Jack Reacher no. characters in books are fantastic, but the they're movies so are... good. The, Wait, the first good, one though. was really good. The first one was really good that the McQuarrie made. I liked it a was lot. It, was, was it fine? Oh, you two hate good movies. Kev, what's your number two? That's <laughs> uh, <best> McQu- <laughs> McQuarrie. Way of the Gun. Iconic. Uh, that's his best movie. That um, opening. Oh, that opening with Del Toro and, and Philip. Oh, God, what a great... It's a dude, great but opening, but then it also keeps going. It yeah, keeps going. It, it tails off a little bit. When Del Toro dives... or is it Del, No, it's Philip. He dives into that pit of broken glass. Yeah. Oh, God, he's like pulling it out of his arm. Um, uh, how's the baby? I'll never forget Del 90s Toro 90s practical that. effects like that are pretty great. Yeah. Like, there's some really brutal, you know, things that people did in 90s movies, early 90s movies. Speaking of the 90s, if you're not watching Yellow Jackets, watch Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets! It's amazing. Um, All right, my number two is The Batman. Oh, The Bat? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, First of all, I want to address the ridiculous online controversy about the rating of this film. Anybody out there who's mad this is not rated R, just watch The Dark Knight and, and just... Please shut your mouth. Uh, um, because, I mean, this is a... Or just have common sense. You don't need... I mean, if you... Any movie can be violent. You can get away with so much with a PG-13 these days. Like, that, you just, that you line just take has away been the blood. stretched. Yeah. Right. But also, like, you could... Like, if you... There are... Like, Dune is PG-13. It's pretty violent. Um, but what you end up doing is you just don't show blood. Or you show minimal blood. Like, Live Free, Die Hard. They got away with it. It was super violent, but it was PG-13. Um, it Wait, really comes Die Hard? Live free, die hard. Oh, okay. yeah, the yeah. fourth one. And I like I, the fourth one. Me too. But Dark Knight is the is the, is case in point here. There's no question. I mean, if you watch the Dark Knight, that movie feels R-rated. It always has. It's just a PG-13 film. Should get an R um, for the pencil in the eye trick. That but alone you don't is an R. see it. You don't see it though. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 implied. Yeah. But that's well, why it's not terms, R. I know. You can right, apply right, a lot. exactly. And that's also, so like you know, I think. I, I don't think anybody I, I don't think I ever thought the Batman was going to be R. I mean, I just no. always assumed. Yeah, neither did I. That's why I don't understand where everyone's coming from. Like, did you all seriously like were you all sitting around excited for it to be announced? As, like who was never going to be uh, Was Zack Snyder's Justice League R rated? Yes. Yes. That's why yeah. people. Well, are it was unrated. Okay. Wasn't it unrated? No, was it? it was R. It got it was an officially R. R. Yeah. That's why people okay. are upset because they got an R. That's, yeah. that's all it is. I mean, it's so funny because like the tragedy of Macbeth, for example, is rated R. And is it? It's just for violence because they show all the blood. So like anytime that ah, you see I someone, so. if you if you show a throat being slit or you show like a knife going into someone's body, like the, those are moments where you like. But it's, it's the, black it's, and white. Isn't that how Quentin got away? Got away no, from? No, because if you watch someone's throat slit open and blood come out, you can't do that in a PG-13. Not that not huh. that graphically. Um, well, it's fa- it's like famous. But the Batman, for example, uh, no questions. My number two. Um, Matt Reeves is one of the most exciting filmmakers working today. I mean, from the moment I saw Cloverfield and obviously the work he did with the Apes films, um, he's just an astounding filmmaker. Also, he did the impossible. He literally made a remake of Let the Right One In. And it was I thought it was just as good. I loved Let Me In. And -hmm. I thought he crushed that remake. And that's a really hard film to remake because it was a brilliant Swedish film. But the Batman is my number two. And I'm excited about Giacchino's score, obviously. So my number two is uh, Babylon. By Damien Chazelle. <clears throat> Again, it's Damien. 
uh, working in old Hollywood with an incredible cast that I know includes uh, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. Uh, don't know a whole heck of a lot about it. He's keeping the details of it under wraps. But if you tell me that Damien's doing something about old Hollywood, uh, it's really no one better to, <laughs> to hop on board with that. So I uh, can't wait for Babylon. That is my number two. And uh, Jakey, your number one most anticipated film of 2022. Uh, the Batman. Oh, um, I mean, everything about it. I mean, Batman is my favorite superhero, if we want to call him that. But everything about what Matt Reeves seems to be doing with this character, I'm 100% in. Um, mm-hmm. I know the sort of the, the, the elevator pitch that everyone keeps using is that it looks like if Seven invaded the world of Batman. And I don't know how that could sound more awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like that's like that's a like, great tagline. Yeah, like particularly like the, the street scenes, like like when they go into the apartments. That's yeah. kind of what, yeah. Or or for me, it's the um, it's it's the Riddler. It's it's Paul Dano. It like looks like a psychotic serial killer out of a David Fincher film. Yeah, um, it, it looks absolutely phenomenal, and I I'm sold. There's there I haven't seen uh, a clip or a scene or a image yet that I didn't go like, oh yes. Like the I only just, thing that kept the Batman off my list of five. Is it really off your list? I kept thinking it was going to be your one. No. Well, you'll know my one. Wait, you have Um, Batman over... You have Avatar 2 over the Batman? I do. Um, Just for this reason. Who are you? I feel like Batman has reached the saturation point. You've reached the saturation point. There's a ton of Batman. There's a ton of you. And I think (laughs) Matt Reeves can make it really interesting. I don't doubt that it's going to be entertaining. I just if you're if I'm picking the five movies that like I need to see next year, Spider Man's your number one. Isn't another it? Batman isn't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, the next the, the movie that I need to see. So. Yeah, tell but me the, more about an animated version of a character yeah. we just saw a month ago. Yeah, the one you're gonna choose is more <laughs> yeah. saturated than no, the Batman. Yeah, tell me, tell me more. Anyway, tell me more, Kev. What's your number next? one? <laughs> My number one is No Questions. Nope. Oh, oh that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. I mean. I, to this day, I think Get Out is one of the greatest scripts ever written. Get Out is a masterpiece beyond words. And then Us was insane and incredible and so well done. Um, I have, and Hoytemann, Hoytemann is shooting this movie. Who shot? Oh boy. Dunkirk. He shot Interstellar. He shot Tenet. Um, It's going to be insane. I mean, just the title alone the fact that uh, that Jordan's directing it, I believe Hoyta shot partially IMAX on this one too, which is which is really fascinating to me. Because Jordan hasn't done IMAX yet, I could be wrong. I remember reading that somewhere, but especially if you bring in someone like Hoyta, I mean, I feel like I I just can't wait, man. What was the I, teaser I, poster? The teaser poster was like some big balloon. It was yeah. like blue, right? It was like a. It, I'm trying to remember now. Something Jordan in put the it cloud, out on like a kite or a balloon of some sort. Yeah. The title's perfect. Yeah. Nope. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, Cause, it's, cause like, it's like the, we're all picturing that moment in a horror movie, right? Yep. Yeah. Something happens and you go, nope. nope. <laughs> and turn around and go the other way. Nope. Uh, Gabe, can you look up when that opens while I get uh, my number when one? When nope opens? Correct. Nope. Yes. I cannot. Just Google nope. Um, mine is Across the Spider-Verse, part one, of course. Yeah, but, okay. Tell it. Tell me about how long it's been since it's we've been gotten so a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. yeah. What was the last time we, we could had a really Spider-Man use. movie? Oh, I'm sorry. The last time they made an animated Spider-Man movie, it won the Oscar for best animated feature. When was the last, the last time we had Batman movie? In theaters? Did the last Batman movie win an Oscar? Because I don't remember any Batman movies winning any Oscars. So Tell that to Heath Ledger. 
Did, yeah, did he play Batman in that movie? A Batman movie. You he said a Batman, Batman movie. movie. Yeah. No, the a performance in that movie one. Anyway. Sean, question though, <laughs> just right in the face. Yes. Would Babylon be your number one if I told you that it starred and was produced by Spider Man? Yeah, <laughs> because yes. Tobey Maguire is in it and he produced it. I mean, Tobey Maguire is in it. Yeah, yeah he produced 100%. it. Yes, and no, John Watts Toby's just my, took over. Yeah. Toby's my least favorite Spider Man. Uh, so, so no, that wouldn't help in the least bit. Uh, when did? Well, I'm sorry. What'd you say for Nope? June? Nope comes John? out uh, July 22nd. That makes sense. All right, Gabe, what is the uh, collective real blend number one Pretty choice? easy to do the math here. The Batman is our number one most anticipated oh, movie. Ridiculous. Of the year. <laughs> Didn't even make my list. <laughs> Pretty quick turnaround. I well, I will say your list is the other four. So there's that. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So if I were to give our full top five, we have the Batman at number one. Quick turnaround. It's coming out pretty soon. So we'll know if this year is going to be a banger or not, according to Real Blend. Uh, number two is Nope. Mission Impossible 7 at number three, uh, Across the Spider-Verse at number four, and Babylon at number five. Terrific. All right, Can I make a early. quick statement about Dune? Sure. Oh, you a PSA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Dune that's PSA. That's right, yes, I'm sorry. Well, thank you. That's this a, that's, is a PSA. Th- those are our most anticipated of the year. Now a Dune PSA, which I will, I will, I will give you a time limit of uh, only a few <sighs> minutes to, to do this. I'm very upset about this. Now, I want to clarify, there are a lot of things happening in the world uh, right now that are actually <laughs> problems. Yes. So, yeah. uh, this and is this just, is one of them. No, this is just something that really upset me, but this is just purely from a fan perspective. Um, I got the Dune 4K or Blu-ray 4K uh, in the mail, and I went to pop it in because because Dune's been available to like get on iTunes for a long for a while now and i just refused I, I waited to buy it because i knew the itunes version wasn't going to have the imac shots so greg frazier and denis villeneuve shot a huge majority of dune in imax like i saw it in 143 at a space museum in in virginia and i would argue that 70 to 80 percent of the film blew up to imax when christopher nolan releases a blu-ray like the Dark Knight or Interstellar or Dunkirk, they preserve the IMAX aspect ratio for the release. So if you throw, if you go back and listen to our Damien Chazelle interview for um, his Netflix uh, series that we had him on for, um, he was telling us a story about being home during the pandemic and wanting to watch Dunkirk, but he only had it on iTunes, so he couldn't get the IMAX aspect ratio shifts. And for people who don't know what I'm referring to, when you watch a film that's in widescreen, if a filmmaker shoots IMAX, they will it'll blow up to the IMAX and then go back down to the widescreen. Um, it happens in theaters. The Dune release that I have in my hand upstairs does not have that. The entire film is widescreen. And I cannot believe this. Like this is like a, a genuinely shocking to me because not only was the film filmed in that format for a good majority of it, it's I, unless they re-release it, it's lost. But this I don't, means I don't understand Denis, this. Denis had to sign off on this. There's no way they released this without his so, approval. So I went. I mean, to, they I hang on. A, they took it out of theaters without his approval. So right. So I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story yeah. real fast. Yeah. I went to a, a, a an Oscars party in L.A. a few years back for First Man, and Damien Chazelle was there, and the cast Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy. And I went up to uh, to Damien, and I was talking to him about the the release. I'm like, dude, please tell me that your Blu-ray release is going to have the IMAX jump when it, when when the when the door opens when they're on the moon 
he didn't even know. He was actually like, oh, I I hope they do it. I mean, I'm hoping they'll do it. And then finally, the, the Blu-ray comes out. And thank gosh, it, it jumps to the IMAX aspect, aspect ratio from the widescreen when the okay, door so opens. So they don't know. So Chazelle didn't know, or he huh. was hoping that it would be there. Um, so with Denis, I, I don't understand this because Nolan gets the treatment. This also happened to Brad Bird, by the way, for Ghost Protocol. We we don't have a a physical release of of Bird's IMAX shots for the Burj Khalif or any of the IMAX scenes in Mission Impossible Four. Um, oh, this surprising. is like, and I, and I know this sounds like a like a minuscule thing to bring up, but for a movie that's shot like this and Greg Fraser's work, seeing that on one four three, it was a it was a game changing experience. Um, and everybody should have the ability to see those IMAX shots. And right now, you do not anywhere have the ability to do that um generally it's on it's on the physical disc they didn't put it on the streaming and they didn't put it on the physical disc so right now we're living in a world where all that imax footage no longer exists you had to have seen it in theaters could it be possible That's insane. could it be possible that this is just marketing in the sense of marketing and and sort of uh uh, merchandising so inside baseball though but no but no i'm saying like what it, it's for decades they've sort of uh, uh monetized the director's cut that comes out later it's yeah. its own release mm. it has this set and the other we'll let the director do this and you know it has its own expenses for that but it's a whole other product that they use to get another wave of of revenue off I of the same thing could it be that that's what we're starting to see is that because people are starting to get interested in IMAX, this is the 4K release. And then in a couple months, they're going to be like now with enhanced IMAX experience at home, like, or I'll tell you what, and I mean, this is a long way off, but what if they're just anticipating a set when the two dunes are out? Okay. Right? But the, the, the it is weird though that the, the 4K though. release would not have it though. It should have. Right. Yeah. Also. So HBO max, when they, uh, and this last thing I'll say, when they put Dune on HBO max, um, you know, kudos to Warner Brothers, because for Wonder Woman 84, uh, you know, uh, Patty shot 70, 65 mil IMAX for that opening sequence. And HBO Max did open up for that open sequence and then went back down to widescreen. The Dune release on HBO Max didn't even have the IMAX shots. So I don't know if they just copied that release and put that out as the 4K. But we I cannot believe considering that we're in a pandemic and not everybody was able to leave their houses to see Dune. I mean, Gabe, you saw it in IMAX and you know it was insane. Like the IMAX release of that film is the true release of the movie. And now we're living in a world where the 4K does not have that. And and I know it's a minuscule thing, but as a fan of that film, that movie deserves better. That's all I want to say. Are, we are also living in a world where there is a new Hotel Transylvania. And it's oh, called Transfor- Transformania. Makes me, makes me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> and it's going to be released in full IMAX ratio. <laughs> You're going to get the whole thing. It's going to blow right up. That actually uh, is a 185 uh, release, which is cool. <laughs> it's I think it's the first, uh, the first 185 they released for that movie, which is almost full screen. Yeah. Who has seen it? Anyone seen it? Hotel nope. Transformania? Hotel T? Hotel T? Uh, all right. Tragedy of Macbeth. Both of you have seen it. Kev, give me your quick reaction to... Uh, Tragedy I want to toss this to Jake because I think Jake and I are on the same page and I just talked a ton about Dune. Um, I think Jake and I are probably going to be in agreement here. I just I think this is an incredibly beautiful film. Um, it's shot with the one three seven aspect ratio, which is the boxed in four by three Academy ratio, essentially. Um, and it's Joel Cohen. There's no Ethan this time. And uh, it is, you know, Carter Burwell to the score, who's an absolute legend. Uh, but for me, and I don't know. And I, I, I feel like this is going to make me sound ignorant. 
I, I love I, I love Shakespeare in general, just in, in terms of like what Shakespeare has done for the world in terms of literature and storytelling. I don't I have a hard time listening to that dialogue and following it. And I, I don't mean to sound ignorant, but I had a hard time keeping up with the story because I couldn't follow a lot of the dialogue. Um, so visually, it's amazing. Performance wise, it's amazing. It just wasn't for me. Janky. Yeah, uh, I, it felt like homework. Um, I, I respected it more than I liked it. I, I loved each individual part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you really have to listen to what they're saying. Um, and, and, and luckily, I was familiar with the story of Macbeth going in, so I kind of knew what I was looking for. Uh, Cinematography is gorgeous. Direction's well done. The sets are really cool. I love Denzel's performance. Um, yeah. But... Uh, but it felt like homework. It felt it felt like I was doing homework while watching a movie. And there's nothing wrong with leaning into a film and trying to understand the dialogue. Like one of the best uh, examples of that would be West Side Story, where he didn't subtitle the Spanish because you lean in and kind of understand it. But in this case, the Shakespearean dialogue, I just I mean, I, I yeah. feel like I sound ignorant, but I just didn't follow it. Jacob, you I mean, had a hard time. Well, too, yeah, there's, right? a, there's a, an interview with Denzel where he talks about even when he was reading Macbeth that he had to buy. I don't know if you guys were in high school and ever bought these that No Fear Shakespeare. Where yeah. it has Shakespeare on, on the left and the translation on the right. And if the man in the movie needed that. <laughs> I turned it I turned it off after 20 minutes. I could, just couldn't do it. So you don't it's, know what the tragedy is? It's a tedious experience, but it's gorgeously framed. Beautifully uh, shot. Let's get to Scream, the, the big movie that's opening up this week. And the continuation in the uh, trend of legacy characters returning to franchises. Um and, and sort of breathing new life into them. Uh, I am ranking this one because I think that the guys in Radio Silence um, are as dedicated and appreciative of the model that Wes Craven <clears throat> started. Uh, I'm putting this right alongside uh, Bad Boys for Life, which is probably going to sound strange, but I think that the two dudes who directed Bad Boys for Life worship Michael Bay <laughs> and know what makes a Bad Boys movie work. You might not like Bad Boys, but those guys made a terrific Bad Boys movie. Um, I think Radio Silence guys know exactly what works about Scream, and they made a terrific Scream movie that, to me, um, and I know everyone's playing the ranking game, but I put it above the sequels. I think it's I think it's one and then five. And, you know, and then two, three, and four. To me, two is probably higher, three and four are close to each other. But I think this one is a great continuation of uh, one, probably two, and then, and then this one too, in terms of the story that it tells, it finds a really great way, a really great way to bring the legacy characters back um, without making it forced. We have been talking about uh, in in big franchises that I won't mention because apparently, if you mention them now, they're spoilery. Um, but there are some that try to bring back old characters, uh, and it doesn't work. And then there are others that bring back old characters, and it works really, really well. In this one, I'm going to say that it works really, really well. But I also found that the new characters were really interesting. Um, I thought it does all the things that a screen movie is supposed to do well, which means it has uh, very surprising and gory kills. It has a lot of really good uh, meta humor and meta commentary uh, about horror movies and the way that horror movies are supposed to play out. Um, and if I knock it, if I give it a knock for anything, it's that the structure of it is essentially the first movie. It's just Scream. They're doing Scream again. And would I want them to see them go in some wild new direction? Maybe. I don't know. But this one worked it's, for a while I was watching it's, it. It's like Scream in the same way that Force Awakens was like A New Hope. Yes. Yeah, yeah I disagree with that, actually. I think this, uh, like, as much as I love Force Awakens, it's, it's, it's essentially A New Hope in terms of story. 
my argument is that this scream enhances the first scream because it's that's the whole point of it. It's like it it's completely meta and aware and it and it reinvents the meta a style of scream. And to, in my opinion, it, it basically does what Scream did in '96 for today. Yes, mm-hmm. that's what I was going to add. Is you, you compare it to the Force Awakens, but it is commenting on the likes of a Force Awakens in sure. the way that sure, they sure, do sure. their structures. For sure. That's I think the benefit yeah. that it gets is it goes. That's the point is we're we're trying yeah. to make a comment about this requel sort of idea that is modern. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. I I I think I'm probably like a four out of five. I I really had a great time with it. I don't love the Scream movies the way you guys do. Um, didn't grow up on them necessarily. I think I was more into the Elm Streets and the the Friday the 13th movies. But, um, you know, Ghostface is a fun killer and the it's great to see the Legacy cast back again. So um, solid, solid recommendation for me, four out of five. Kev, I think you probably liked it a little bit more than that. Oh, dude, I loved it. I mean, it was... I mean, I will never forget seeing the first one when I was 12. And there was something, and I remember getting that VHS and watching it over and over. Remember on the cover of the VHS, it had the review, like, clever, hip, and scary, or whatever it was down at the on the, on the bottom mm-hmm. of it. Um, this film is exactly what I wanted in a Scream film after the first one. Like, it was it was everything the first one did, but in a, in a, in a reinventing way in itself. It's not the first one again. It's, it's, the, it's honoring the legacy of the first one, yet setting a tone and a brutal tone. I think it's the most violent, no question of that, of all five of them. Let me ask a um, question. Let me ask one quick question. Because other filmmakers take over these sequels... Is it easier for them to honor the the legacies of the first movies as opposed to, let's say, Wes Craven was still around mm-hmm. and wanted to do a, another Scream? Would it be really hard for Wes Craven to honor what Wes Craven had already done? You know what I, I mean? mean? He, he, he addresses Nightmare on Elm Street in the first Scream. So like, okay. he's, he's not yeah. above and he, referencing himself. Wes okay. Carpenter. Remember the Wes Carpenter so, yeah. joke? Yeah. Um, so it's almost yeah, like I feel like a new see... generation or new filmmakers almost have to come to these franchises and as fans and honor like the, the one I keep going back to is, is uh, Cobra Kai. The guys who do Cobra Kai are yeah. are addicted with to the Karate Kid. But I also and, uh, think a big part of it, too, to your point with Cobra Kai, because I think that's a great comparison is is, you know, Pat Morita has passed away and sure. Wes Craven has passed away. So I think there is an extra level of kind of tipping your cap a little bit when is such an anchor in these series is no longer with us. It's, it's one thing to like pay tribute to the work that came before. I think it's another thing to honor a, a person who has passed on. Okay. Yeah. When I, when I walked out of scream five, it's so funny. You bring up bad boys. That's the first thing I said uh, was that this reminded me of like the fans who made bad boys three because mm-hmm. bad boys three was genuinely an awesome bad boys film. This is, this is on a different level though. I, I, I really believe that, they just did such a brilliant job of like bringing like that, that movie, the new movie, like the first one, is always a step or two ahead of you as an audience member. Um, I'll give an example in a vague term without spoiling anything. But like, for example, if, if, there's a, if there's a character who gets shot or something right in a movie, right? And then they walk away and, they, and, and you always say to yourself, wait, why are they going to go back and shoot that person in the head just like to finish the kill? Mm-hmm. Because they're always going to come back, which was a joke or a line that was in the first movie. This movie is always with you when you're having those thoughts. And then Mm -hmm. it goes, oh, wait, hold on. Let me go back and do this. And it's not in a way where it's almost like it's self-aware, but it's not aware. Because at the end of the day, what I like about this film is that it is brutal and has stakes. 
It's not just like a parody or or a or a uh, or a or a, a remake of the original. It is a brutal R-rated horror film with genuine scares. The opening is incredible, um, but at the same time, it's this beautiful meta element. It's basically like Jake and I. Jake and I were talking about this about Matrix. Like Matrix Four mm. basically tried to do what this did, but it this did it so much better Mm -hmm. uh, because scream was all about reinventing horror the first one was to me this reinvents it again in a a beautiful way i love Mm -hmm. this movie and it's incredibly shot incredibly brutal um and it it takes you for a ride like you think you know who the killer is and then they convince you that's not the person and then you're then you're flipping around the whole movie waiting it's it's wild man i loved it jakey what'd you love about it uh i loved it because there's an energy in this one that I feel like was missing from the past few installments. Obviously, I think Wes Craven was obviously very much into the first Scream. And I think Wes Craven was very much into Scream 2. I think Scream 2 has a lot of energy to it. There are some sequences of Scream 2 that are just unbelievably well shot. If you remember the the sequence with Nev Campbell when she goes to college and there's that play that she's a part of, like this Greek this Greek tragedy. And oh, yeah. She keeps seeing so I don't like uh, that ghost scene. face. And, oh, I Weren't love there, that scene. Didn't he say that there were bits of, because they were made so closely back to back, Yeah, that there were bits of Scream 2 that were scrapped from Scream 1. So like it very much has that, not literally, oh, yeah. literally. Yeah, it, yeah it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think yeah, I read it wouldn't that. Surprise yeah, me. That, they, that they were yeah, bits so, that never made it out of the scripting phase for one. And yeah. they were like, well, let's use it in two because it's good. I'm well, argue the new the, one. The new one's the best since one. I wanted that's the last thing I wanted to add. The ki- and, uh, Nev Campbell uh, climbing over the killer in oh, the car fantastic. is the best sequence yeah. in any Scream movie. Um, in my opinion, and I, th- I think honestly, I don't think Wes Craven's heart was in three and four. Mm. Uh, I just, I, I don't think it's made with with the excitement and the energy in which he made uh, uh, one and two. Um, so that being said, I love this new Scream Five, as we'll call it. Um, I think to me, a perfect Scream trilogy is one, two, and five. I think honestly, I really think you can ignore three and four. I personally four. don't think. I don't think you need to see four. I don't think there's anything I, about four that's necessary. Um, uh, other great. than other than there is one character in five that was also in four, but if you don't know she's in four, it's not going to impact how you feel about the character. <laughs> Um, I, I, is that Marley so, Shelton's character? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Cause I didn't so know. I, yeah. So I, I very much have a soft spot for scream two in my heart. So for me, I would rank them scream one, scream two, then scream five. But I mm. very much love very, th- this is a scream movie. I never thought we were ever going to get again, which, which excites me. It's, uh, it's ex- exciting is the word. Like I haven't felt that excited in a movie in a long like in terms of horror in a long time like i mean obviously and and the movie is so aware of current horror like they mentioned elevated horror like jordan peele elevated it's so horror. smart it's so yeah, smart yeah, yeah. well that's kind yeah. of what we're in the middle of you know that's the yeah. trend now yeah. the uh the hereditaries and yeah and uh, which are like. addressed heightened horror this I, is yeah. all elevated horror i would argue yeah elevated horror I don't know. I think it's proudly schlock horror. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a because that's the thing too is that we also have to acknowledge that in the same way that you know people um, whenever a horror film's really good they want to call it a. Thriller. That's the joke though. That's, this is just a great slasher movie. That's the thing though is that yeah. elevated horror is not a real thing. It's just a pretentious. It's just a horror. Movie. It's just sure. a pretentious. Yeah. Thing. Sure. Great horror that people don't qualify as elevated horror are still talking. Are still yeah. having a conversation with society, yes. you know. Yeah, like, but get out, get like, out like, is on like a different the, level, though. Get out, get out is get out is no. It's just a great, beyond, it's just a great horror movie. It's a great horror. Calling well, it I'll elevated use, horror just lets you put it into a different class. 
It, it's a what? disservice to the word to the word horror that if a so. movie gets to be too good, that you want to take it out of that genre. No, like I if, think if, that... if, if, if like like Hereditary or The Witch. It's it's a it's a horror movie. The Witch is a horror movie, just like Get Out is a horror movie, just like A Nightmare on Elm Street is a horror movie, just like Jaws is a horror. These yeah, are all horror movies. Get Out is a different horror movie than Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween. But they're but they're it horror movies is. nonetheless. And to say that something is elevated and something else isn't, I think, is a slap in the face slap in to the face. horror movie. Yeah, no, it's not. It it's, absolutely, there's a difference between like mindless action and great action films. But you don't like call Mad Max. But you don't call Mad Max versus, elevated action. Yeah, by definition, by calling it elevated, but you never have. You never have. I never have. But, but I mean, but I, I do think Get Out is on a different. And, and you, tier. you are a man who talks about how like we have to see Oscar films differently. Oh, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Get Out is a different level. Of, it's a different level of horror. It's that is that is that is a completely different level of horror than than like I, a, I think that's I a know, slap I, in the face. I don't to, think so to the, at all. I think Scream's elevated horror. I think Scream because one because, because, because to horror. me what because what you're saying is a very smart good horror film is unlike everything else in the yes. genre no why can't that's, why exactly, can't, that's exactly what you're saying why can't certain movies in a genre be different levels different tiers but why can't you just say it's a really good horror film okay that's fine i mean a good, get out is a great horror movie here's the thing but, but, but here's the difference elevated separates yes. it from let me the genre. clarify it the problem the problem with the elevated horror tag is people are treating it like a genre they're saying like no. No, that's like the, a different area of the problem. They They're saying elevated horror is a genre. If you have to be smart to understand oh, I don't this, that. yeah, I know, and that's why I'm trying to. That's why the, having the argument with you is because people use it in as if instead of saying slasher, they say elevated because of X, Y, and Z reason. It can be elevated, quote unquote, if it has you know added weight as far as its social commentary. Or if it's from A24, or if it's from A24, mm-hmm. or it's shot four by three, you know this black and white or what? Like it can be quote unquote elevated because it takes itself more seriously. But it is not yeah. a genre of horror because to what's Jake saying? It is putting down everything else by saying that like oh, J- uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and. Uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street weren't saying anything; they were just trying to be crazy, and that is that is lesser no. than. That's what that's. And I want to clarify. I know you don't feel that way. I'm, I'm saying, saying that. that's how people yeah. use it. They use it as if it were a genre, which is which is pointless. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that like Get Out was on a different level than I'd ever seen in the horror genre. I think elevated is a proper term because it elevated the genre to a different level, I thought. I, th- I thought it brought horror to a different level. Um, because Get Out was a film that, that I don't know, to me... Right, but you're, it just, but you're it describing enhanced. it You're describing it as your personal experience with it. I'm not saying I disagree yeah. or anyone should disagree that Get Out is, in, is incredible on the scale yeah. of horror films. But you're talking about it's elevated in the sense of its quality and how much you liked mm-hmm. it. That is a subjective definition, whereas the the right. f- yeah. hashtag film Twitter or whatever yeah. culture is using it as if it is this new genre of horror yeah. that that, okay. that millennials and I, and I believe invented. That as much as I love Get Out, Get Out deserves to be in the exact same spot of blockbuster as Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Well, but because the thing that's triggering this conversation is the quote-unquote film Twitter that Gabe is referencing doesn't want to say that they like the Nightmare on Elm Streets and the Friday the 13th. So when they do like a horror movie... Blanket yeah. horror movie. That's not where they I'm at. call it something different. Yeah, They're like, I'm... "Oh, I can like yeah. the witch because it's elevated again, horror." Again, to, okay. to highlight, Kevin not. is pointing out the subjective that's pretentious. nature. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's all I wanted to that's highlight. That's the point. Is the difference. <laughs> that's the point. Is that okay, them but, using yeah. it that way? Yeah. I just think so. I consider elevated just what is the, is what it did for the genre. I think Get Out 
brought a new. I mean, but you could say that about. I mean, like Nightmare on Elm Street did that in the early '80s. No one calls yeah. it elevated hoarding, but at the time, I yeah, I like, was like back the in the screen. '80s. Back in the '80s, I was calling Nightmare on Elm Street elevated. Scream horror, One is oh, elevated horror. God, to be fair, <laughs> I had a. But, the, but then at the, at, at a certain point, then we just call them really good horror movies. That's it's really good. Yeah. It's a great I'm, horror movie. I'm just saying that Get Out was a different movie. It Where was is different. Leprechaun? Leprechaun yeah. elevator. <laughs> Ask Jennifer Aniston, who wants to completely ignore that film. Uh, let's get to the blend game this week, which is based on the late and great uh, icon Wes Craven. We're playing hashtag Wes Craven blend. Jake, I feel like we have to start with you as our resident horror fanatic. Where would you go for Wes Craven's favorite movie or your favorite this, movie, Wes Craven? This was this was tough. I'm going to be honest with you, um, but I can't choose anything other than A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I just think I, I have a soft spot for 80s monster slasher films. Um, I, Elevated I, horror. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it's I and, and I think Freddy is the best of the best in that he is so tethered to an actual person's performance. Robert England as Freddy Krueger, I think, is one of the great um, horror performances of all time. Um, I love sort of the weird wacky ass directions the genre went but it all came from uh wes's original idea of of seeing this man outside of his window one day in a striped sweater when he was a child um and the fact that that and, and that it collaborated with him reading these articles about these people in south america who would wake up screaming and then die so he took this memory of this man outside of his window when he was a child and these articles he read about these people in south america and created what i think is is one of the most everlasting uh, fears, which is a, a complete loss of control, and that's what's terrifying about Nightmare on Elm Street is that once you slip into a, a, a unconsciousness, like like you're in you're in his playground. And despite the fact that like yes, he does get a little wacky and funny later on in the films, Freddy in the first film is mm. horrifying. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely horrifying. I literally have a framed glove uh, hanging on my wall, not ten feet from where I sit. So as much as I do love Scream, and I love Scream with every fiber of my being. For me, it's it's an about a nightmare on Elm Street. Would you say that it elevated the genre? Jake? It did. I'm gonna say I'm gonna elevate my fist into your face. <laughs> I am also picking Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, you are. I'll take my fist back now. It is uh, it's one of my favorite horror films of all time. Um, the first one is is magnificent. Uh, it does all as the things. is his third. His third is also very good. Dream Warriors is terrific. Yes, I like that as well too. Um. It does all the things that personally I like horror movies to do. Uh, I'm not all in on the A24 horrors. Uh, I would much rather see a uh, a branded serial killer with a really clever gimmick. So I do love Ghostface. I do love the hockey mask of Jason. And it's hard to beat the glove with, with the knives that, that Freddy has. Um, to have someone whose skin is charred. Uh, because the parents of the neighborhood set set the school on fire, uh, and he was in the basement, trapped in the basement. Terrific, terrific origin story. Um, but just the fact, like the concept of <clears throat> you have to stay awake in order to avoid him, and it's virtually impossible to stay awake, uh, is is as terrifying as it gets. Like here's just the the primal. Uh, here's the way to avoid this guy. Don't fall asleep. Like who can, you can't do that for any long period of time. And if you think about um, some of the most memorable imagery uh, from that, you think of the glove coming out of the bathtub uh, as Nancy's falling asleep um, and uh, Johnny Depp, you know, getting sucked into the mattress and then uh, the blood spurting up into the thing. And uh, Tina, as she's getting uh, rolled Tina! around her room, getting uh, sliced to different, to, to, to bits 
Um, terrific. Just an outstanding, outstanding film. Showed to me uh, what an amazing uh, horror storyteller that Wes is. And it's kind of remarkable um, that he uh, was able to kind of reinvent and launch uh, an equally successful, you know, and as as a influential horror franchise uh, in Scream in his mm-hmm. own, in addition to all the other sure. great films that he did. So um, I almost went Red Eye. Which is also terrific. Um, that one of the best teaser trailers of all time. Oh, when I went so with, uh, good. You remember the? Do you remember the teaser where they set yeah. it up like a rom com? Yeah. It oh, did they really? A, yeah, it starts out as a rom com, and like Killian Murphy sits down next to Rachel McAdams, and it's like you never know who you'll sit next to on a plane, and it makes it seem like they're gonna fall in love, and then all of a sudden, uh, it just takes this really dark turn, and then just says, "Boom!" Filmed oh, by Wes Craven. That's awesome. That's and that's awesome. a testament to his name by that point that all you had to do was say a film by Wes Craven to sure, make you yeah. go, oh, this isn't a wrong, wrong. Aside from Sound of, uh, no, what's the, what's the music movie he did with Meryl Streep? Uh, music, music of the Heart? So, music of the Heart, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Kev, where'd you go? I mean, I, I can't not go with Scream. I mean, like at the end of the day, like, but this no is a favorite. No one's going to you for it. All right, Gabe, Gabe's with me on this I'm one. I'm with you, Kev. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, Nightmare on Elm Street is iconic, and you're, Jake's 100% right. The reason why it's so scary is this idea of not being able to fall asleep. I mean, it's, what, what a crazy, great idea in terms of a horror film. But, I mean, if you're talking favorite here, I can't deny when I was 12 what Scream did for me. Yeah. yeah I, was, I mean, it was honestly... Yeah, go ahead. I, I was, you were saying that's scary, but I was like, but isn't it more scary the real thought that someone would go insane and start killing people just because they like a movie? Yeah. You know, like they like yeah. horror movies. But with mm-hmm. Freddy, like you're playing by his rules. No, no, no I agree. I was just pointing yeah. out that I think they're, it's not that he's a, in a fantasy world. That's terrifying. But in the real world, the one of the, those horror sure. movies yeah. that feel like they could be real, yeah. it's a different kind of terrifying because you're like, well, you yeah, know, there's, maybe my neighbor is weight. Yeah, there's a weight to the the deaths in, in, you're right. There's like a fantasy quality to the yeah. nightmare films. Um. But I mean, like I said this before, and I was 12. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, but I have a whole story about that movie. Like my buddy Ben and I went to the theater together. His dad bought a third ticket, walked us to the usher. Um, we got into the theater. He rolled out and came back and picked us up two hours later, or however long the film was. I mean, the excitement of like getting into an R-rated film and then and then seated and then like the the, the adults with you. And so the usher knows that. And then he rolls out. And then there's part of you in the back of your mind that's like, OK, He's gone now. What if the usher comes down the aisle and sees two kids sitting in the seats? Such that, a rule follower. There's dude, a rule was, follower element to you that's fascinating. I, I, I broke the rules there. Yeah, no, yeah, but you were really worried about getting caught. Like no, that's but getting caught was almost like the fun of it. Like yeah. if you could successfully get through an R-rated film that you snuck into. I mean, because I was 12. I mean, I was I looked like a, a kid. My buddy Ben and I are sitting there watching Scream. And again, we don't know what Scream is. I mean, you have to remember, put yourself in a situation where you don't remember what Scream was, yeah. right? And you watch that opening scene with Drew Barrymore, who's one of the biggest yeah. stars on the planet. Who they the marketed time. as the star of the film. <laughs> right. and they they like, Janet lead that shit. I'll tell you right now, I rewatched it again last night. I got, they, they released a 4K um of the uh which is a much better transfer if, if anybody out there's a physical media nerd like i am the original scream transfer on blu-ray is not great it's super super uh soft um they did a 4k transfer of the new one of just the first one sorry it's outstanding it, it oh, actually awesome. looked like looked like it looked like the time i saw it in theaters for the first time i think they went must have gone back to the original camera negatives and like and like struck that print or whatever i don't know how they did it um but every time i watch that opening scene the reason why I picked this is because when Drew Barrymore is running towards her parents, 
and she can't mm. get her voice to like and they're walking up to the front door and they're right there and every single time i watch it i'm like will they hear her this time will they will they go over and help her i mean like like there's something so insanely uh, this is the same thing for west side story where i was like if a filmmaker is able to bring you into that world and still mm. make you forget that something could happen or you hope something will change Every beat of that film is perfect. Every single beat from the even just the edits to like Billy going to the room after the Nev's uh, scene when when Ghostface calls her when she's home alone. Like there's just like, I don't know. It, 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 to me, it's a masterpiece beyond words. It is perfect filmmaking and it is just to this day still holds up as one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Kev, you've interviewed Drew Barrymore before, haven't you? Yeah. You have a question about one of her movies i just didn't know if she ever told you her favorite <laughs> did drew barrymore ever tell you her favorite raven simone uh tv show she really loves um, raven simone's tv show i don't know that's that I know so west raven... craven that's so craven <laughs> yes thank you very much i don't much. know who raven simone is so i wouldn't that's have a, gotten no, that's that. a that's a did damn you guys shame. know in uh, scream in the opening scene of scream when uh casey's <laughs> father tells Casey's mother uh, when they're clearly starting to realize something bad is going on. To go down the street? Go to the McKenzie's. Yes. And that is a tip of the cap to Halloween. Because at the very end, Jamie Lee Curtis grabs the kids after Michael attacks them and tells the two kids, uh, go to the McKenzie's. Oh, that's interesting. You know what's funny about that? I love that you said that because as I was watching the first Scream, not knowing that piece of movie trivia, I always, I I was rewatching it last night. I'm like, how, it's such a brilliant name to use in a script because it sounds like the name of a neighbor who'd be down the street. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mackenzie's as, as opposed like, to like go to the Smiths, right? It, like, like honestly, like when when the father says that, it's so funny you brought that up because I thought to myself the other night, I'm like Kevin Williamson. Uh, I didn't know it was a reference to Halloween. I'm like that is such a smart name because it sounds like a neighborhoody. Mm-hmm. family that would be yeah. living down the street <laughs> it was like yeah, it's it so does. it's so real and so like oh yeah you're right yeah, it's smart yeah all right audience picks uh selena went with the last house on the left michael oh, green God. michael green says he's staying away from scream so he's going with shocker uh william went with scream 2 john palmer said nightmare on elm street and then several people went with scream including uh kdp jacob malone and harry lichtman so we want to thank everybody for Did anyone participating say, uh, nightmare three i was wondering if they're might be Gabe, you see any Nightmare 3s out there? There might have been one out there. There might have been one or two. One or two? Yes. Um, next week, uh, I had a suggestion from listener Zach Peters. We're going to be playing hashtag superhero theme blend. Superhero theme blend. So you're going to have to come up with a theme song oh. from a particular superhero. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and let us know your favorite. Oh, my so, God. What a good particular, one. Yeah, score. Particular theme. Sure. And I will say from a theme. particular movie. Because even within the MCU, their themes wow. kind of change movie to movie. Like, like, like Danny Elfman's Batman. Like, da, yeah. Da, yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. Okay. Can we play them on the show, or are we not allowed uh, to play them? On the show? No, we cannot. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. we will. We will all be wearing hockey yeah. pads. But if you can, but if you can hum them, I'll let you hum them along. For... <laughs> we we can we can play them on the show, but we're going to need to increase the price of our premium. Episodes. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
to a hundred thousand dollars. Or if any of you are copyright lawyers and are willing to work pro bono, uh, drop us a review while you guys are uh, on Apple Podcasts listening to us. You can also leave us a rating on Spotify. Please make sure you do that. It helps us share the show. Our next premium episode, uh, which we are recording right after this, is the 2022 Fantasy Movie Draft. And once again, you can get access to this and all of the episodes of Real Blend Premium, as well as an ad-free version of the show and a newsletter that I am putting out this week by going to cinemablend.com backslash Real Blend Premium. In the meantime, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Uh, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, Gay, at Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you soon. Bye. Wait, hold on. Gabe has something to say. Gabe has Gabe. A- Last week, we said that our most anticipated movie of the year was going to be the movie that we scream at the end of... The episodes for the for this year. That's fair. The Batman. The so Fable Men's. Wait, oh, hockey wait, pads. The Batman. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.